You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, we'll put an asterisk on that, are Charles and Jim. How's it going? How's it going, guys? Man, it has been a little while. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, it has. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a a a stretch here. Uh, We have had some, we've had some some weird stuff happening. I don't know those of you out there who have tried to get our podcast over the last few months. There was like a month and a half, two month period there where uh, it probably wasn't available because the web host that I use just completely shut all my websites down. And uh, I fought with them over that for a long time, but that disruption kind of, uh, kind of put like some, some, some kibosh on some of our projects, uh, our games on our other site where we do play by post, that site went down also. And once we got it back up, there was still like, people just weren't playing. I know for my part, I was playing a whole bunch of Assassin's Creed. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> I logged like 550 hours playing Assassin's Creed Origins, Odyssey, Jeez, and, um, what's the newest one? Valhalla. Valhalla. Yeah. So I did 550 hours across those three games and uh, like kind of going for like a hundred percent completion on all of them. I mean, I had a blast, but man, it just, it was like all consuming. Yeah. There's a lot of content in those games. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of content in there. Oh, are you still playing one, Jim? I'm are still you... playing through Odyssey. Gosh, Odyssey's so good, isn't it? It, it is good. Man, is I, good. I just love Alexios. I know there's like online, there's like the big thing, like Cassandra versus Alexios, and everybody says Cassandra is the one that you need to play. And I started out with her because of that, and then I realized it was all propaganda. Alexios is 100% the best well, character. Well, Cassandra makes the better villain. I mean, she that character makes the better villain. Spoiler alert. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Whichever one you don't pick becomes the villain. And yes, she does make the better villain. So Alexios too, man, he's just, I love him. <laughs> well, it, it, his comedy is just great to play as a player. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just hilarious. Yes, he is. He is very, very funny. So anyway, it's all, it's all good stuff. I, I actually got like the entire Assassin's Creed collection. I was going to play through absolutely all of them. And after I got done with Valhalla, I was like, I got to take a break from this for a while. So. <laughs> I'm trying to power through Odyssey so I can get to Valhalla. Oh man. Be, that just looks awesome. It is. But pre- prepare yourself for like twice as big of a, of a thing oh, as man. Odyssey. So. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, there's nothing after that yet. Uh, there's something in the works. So yeah, I've Mirage got time to here. stew on that for a while. Yeah. It yeah, is so, bad when you come in late because you want to power through to yeah, get to the latest game. Yeah, but you if you don't were like all, if you were caught up, you wouldn't have that like drive to do all the other things, you know. Yeah, I mean, I played them for a while and then I got out of them about the time of Unity. So I, you know, I didn't and I didn't play four. So I've got like four I've never touched. I've got uh, Syndicate I've never touched. Uh, I mean, like there, it's there's there was so much, and then of course all the newer ones which are phenomenal yeah um so yeah it's good times anyway that that's where we were and uh and then like right at the end of the of the sidereals campaign i don't know if you guys remember back in the day you know we were talking about missing the lunars campaign i said i said that's the what was like the second or third 
place I'll go in a time machine if I ever get one. I'm going back to <laughs> make sure I back the Lunars campaign. Well, I did not want that to be. I didn't want one more, you know, bullet point on my itinerary for the time machine. So in like the last day of the Sidereals Kickstarter, I got on there and I backed it, you know, because I'm So like, what was your your backer number? I don't even know. Because <laughs> like, not so fun to brag about when you're in the, not in the top 500. I was in the top, I was in the top 5,000. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? I could have the distinction of being the last backer. Ooh. That, would, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> like, ha ha, I tricked you. I was at the beginning and now I'm at the end. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got into, the, I, I finally got into that. And, and even so, even so backing it, I still was like not really, I didn't really care. Like I didn't download the, the manuscript and start reading it or anything like that. You know, I just, it was like, well, I'm in this now and uh, i'll get the book and then maybe one day in the future i'll get back into the game then uh, you know i keep i keep paying for this web hosting and finally i was like hey let's why, why don't we why don't we actually try to resurrect like our exalted games on our play by post site so uh got that going and I, and I said i said you know what would be really cool like let's stop thinking about podcasting and all that stuff for a minute and just enjoy playing the game again and then yeah. if we get to where we're like really enjoying the game then maybe we'll Maybe we'll sit down and do a podcast sometime because there'll be something fun to talk about. So anyway, so that's kind of how we like uh, limped back into this a little bit. Um, but there are a lot of cool things to talk about and uh, we do have some news. So let's go ahead and head to that desk. Well, just really recently here in the news, we've had a couple of previews coming out of midi-faced strangers which i am extremely excited about i i hate it that these companion volumes to uh, a kickstarter project seem to just take so long after even even the really really long process of getting the kickstarter book done and the deluxe edition in your hands i mean we've had the lunars book for a while now and many face strangers is just now we're starting to get a couple of previews but and i and i'm so excited about this book and then yeah. like you, you get you like forget about it for a while you know and then all <laughs> of a sudden it's like hey here's some previews from this book you're like dang that's right i can't wait for this book you know and so the couple of previews that they've put out so far are also really really interesting so we've had uh the first one that they threw down was the thousand blades style and that i i, I just went back looking through the uh, tale of the visiting flare comic book that they did for third edition uh just like uh, yesterday or the day before i was joking around with my kids that uh this like we're we're <laughs> charles we're actually thinking about going to momocon this year <laughs> in fact when I, say, oh, no. when I say when i say thinking about it i i mean all of my children and some of their friends are demanding that we go to momocon because they're now of course all big anime fans and they right. want to play anime dress up so oh. i'm actually going to the dorkier part of the convention this time <laughs> You're Not. the part that we that we so openly mocked when we that's, went. That's right. That's right. However, me and me and my friend, who is the father of uh, this other girl that that's going to go with, it, he's he's. I told him. I told the kids and everything. I'm like, I'm not going unless like one of your friend's dads goes with me. So like, so he's he's coming with, and uh, and we're we are not going to dress up. 
So, uh, so I got to ask you this, Corey. Were you actually into anime when y'all went to Momocon? No, no, like not at all. So it may be different because maybe yeah, I was. I mean, I was into like my my classic anime that I watched, but when I went to Dragon Con, I was like. Hey, like I, I, there was so many people dressed as uh, the guy from Demon Slayer, right. and like the sister from Demon Slayer, and I was and like, "Hey, I recognize these." And, that's like, who there I'm looking really for. Good by costumes. the way, I want my picture with every Nezuko, uh, <laughs> and then I want to round up all the Nezukos, and I want I want them to hold me, uh, like like horizontally above the ground while I get my picture taken with them. I'm oh, a big fan. I'm a big fan of Nezuko. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Yeah, so this anyway, is that- retroactively <laughs> changing how I feel about having gone to Momocon a couple years ago. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, anywho, I think uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. But, oh yeah, so we're, we're, uh, like there was a story here. Yeah, so I'm looking I'm looking through the uh, tale of the visiting flare, and there's that picture of the girl in there that's got the swords all like around her, like blade wings. And I was like joking with them. I'm like, this is who I'm going to dress up. Uh, as for for Momocon, you know, but that character in Tale of the Visiting Flare is the one that they, that this that this style, this thousand blades style, is describing. The, these this person who can keep these like artifact weapons airborne and then fight with them with their mind without touching the thing, you know? So it's like swords are just flying around everywhere. You can, you can send one off like into the distance to strike people at medium range. And you know, like it creates like this shield wall buzzing around you. Very, very cool. Uh, martial art. Did you guys have a chance to look at that at all? Yeah. I I looked at it. What did you think of that? Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I saw people uh, commenting about, and I think is is definitely very interesting, is the fact that for this martial art, you don't need the martial arts merit. Right. I mean, uh, and the, I guess the thinking behind that is because the martial arts merit is a four dot merit, and you're already having to have artifact weapons, at least one, to be able to use this style. And so if you had to have a four dot martial art merit on top of buying, let's say two or three, three dot artifact swords, right. uh, you would just like have no room for any other merits at, at character creation, you know? Right. Like now, you... I, I, I think that fits in with the, the lore of the style because it's like a, it's kind of a lost art. Like not many people know this. So right. you could kind of gear your character one way and then like part of the story could be learning this style and you could learn it and then build up to the martial arts later because without any martial arts you're not going to be able to do any of the evocations or or, or not yeah i guess it's parts of the style like the the different what do you yeah. call that? That's not evocations. Well, but I, I think it's that not you, charms either. You can learn the martial arts like what it's saying is you can take you can take dots of martial arts in like like as an ability without paying the four dot merit cost for the martial arts merit. Oh. So like you could put like at character creation. I mean, because it's really character creation is where this really becomes an issue, right? Uh so like at character creation, you could go ahead and put, you know, three or four dots in martial arts, like the the ability, and it would be martial arts 
uh, Thousand Blade style because you know all the martial arts abilities are are keyed to the specific martial art that you're learning, right? So, right. like you have martial art Earth Dragon style, and then if you learn Fire Dragon style, you you have to have a separate martial art Fire Dragon. So basically, style. you just have martial arts in order to activate the different things of the style. Like normally, you would just use brawl. No, if you're you, just fighting with your hands. You would use melee if you were fighting with a sword. So with when you're fighting with this I'd style, I said with your hands, which would yeah. be brawl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, you wouldn't use martial arts because you don't actually possess the merit. You just yeah. have dots in order to activate. Well, this lets you buy the martial arts dots, the ability martial arts dots. It allows you to buy them without paying the four dot merit cost. Correct. And yeah. I, I agree with that. But so that's like the only use, thing you're dropping. You can't use martial arts. You oh, only on have like a hand to hand. Yeah, you can't use yeah, a hand to hand. You only have the dots just to fuel this. Just style. for this. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. so yeah, that, yeah, those dots of martial arts are just for using your mind to sling swords around in the air. Right. Like, right. They, okay, they are not sense. for any other like karate chopping or anything like that. Yeah. I was so, ahead of the game. I designed a character one time and didn't buy the martial art merit and had five dots <laughs> in martial arts. <laughs> you remember that? You uh, were I like, did. hey, you got to buy the merit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it was really controversial when they put that in uh, third edition, you know, this, this need to buy the martial arts merit. But. I, I think it makes sense when you look at like the way evocations and everything work, you know, like if you, if you get a sword, let's say a, a three or four dot artifact sword, that's opening you up to the possibility of using a big stack of charms that, you know, evocations that you right. don't have access to normally. So getting the martial arts merit is like the same thing as getting like a four dot artifact. It's going to give you access to a stack of charms that you couldn't use otherwise. Right. And so, I, I mean, it makes sense from that mechanical perspective when you think about it, that all, all, a, uh, an artifact weapon really is, is like an artifact is a martial arts style. If you want to look at it like that, I mean, imagine is if, if you just, you know, like the, whatever the sky cutter or whatever, if it's, if if all of its charms were like sky cutter style, sky cutter this, sky cutter. I mean, it's like you're just getting an access to a, a martial art. So mechanically, they're like the same kind of thing. It's just narratively they're different. But uh, but this one, because you're having to like get all of the artifact weapons, you're having to spend your merit dots on that. You don't have to get that extra extra one. So. I think it is a super cool style. And it, I think it's also cool that the power level of this thing grows the more artifact weapons you have yeah. in the Matrix. I mean, like, I mean, you could like, you hit Essence 3, you could throw your sword at extreme range. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. insane. But the, like the, uh, the, the, the like additive for everything is like your arsenal. Uh, rating which is the number of weapons right so if you only have one weapon that you're like floating around yourself your yeah. arsenal rating is only one but if you have three of them your arsenal rating is three and so that's like adding dice and adding stuff to your defense yeah. you know like depending on how many you have i think man just uh, again just another like perfect marriage of narrative and mechanics in this thing you know this yeah yeah super super cool it style. makes me look at i mean but this isn't just um this isn't just limited to lunars either. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, solars and other people can get this. Yeah, well, I know, mean, many-faced strangers is going to be directed <laughs> to lunars like 
primarily, but yeah, there's going to be tons of stuff in there that can be used by lots of other uh, games and whatnot. So I, I can't wait for it. I mean, personally, I just want the blue uh, spine you know, the, on the shelf. Yeah, they even mentioned a Death Lord <laughs> that knows this style. Could you imagine oh, going up man. against that dude? <laughs> Super awesome, man. Some good stuff. Of course, you know, the way Exalted Third works, I still expect that guy to die in like the third round of combat, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 yeah, when someone throws a sword at him from 20 miles away, it sounds yeah, like. It's like <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, the other um, the other preview that they released was uh, one for Naratum. I guess I'm pronouncing that somewhere in the ballpark. Naratum, the All Beast Avatar which is a five dot with the special, like, um, I, I think in like second edition, we would have put like the NA tag or whatever, but it's got like the, it's got the little squiggly uh, thing next to its five dots to say like, watch out, this thing's way off the charts. So, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's certainly a very, very cool war strider. Did you, did you take a look at that one? Yeah, I took a look at that one. That was freaking <laughs> nasty, dude. It's like a, it's like a beast. Well, what it is is it's it's a it's a giant robot skin to wear if you're a lunar, because it can change shape with you. So if you change into a wolf, the war strider changes into wolf shape. If you change into mm-hmm. a giant snake, the war tri- war strider changes into giant snake shape. And right, in right. in every shape, it is legendary size, and it has all of these really cool. Uh, you know, evocations has all this really cool stuff, but just the the fact that it's like constantly morphing into different shapes, I think is just one of the coolest thing ever. Um, I, so I, I mean, mean, even non lunars can use it, but of course yeah. they don't get to take the full effect. But they get a little bit of they could change into some animals, like yeah. I guess whatever's stored in the War Strider or something. Yeah, it, but it, currently lunar in this thing is nasty. And didn't they say currently the thing's like all in pieces? So somebody would have to like build it back together or something like that. Yeah, I think that it goes into some fiction about like one guy was erected this giant scaffold or something around it, was putting it together and then got called away. Right. So and there was something about its head too, but I can't remember exactly what it said about <laughs> that. But it was like the head of Naratoon reminded me of like the, the head of Unicron in uh, Transformers. But um, yeah, anyway. Super cool. If you haven't taken a look at that yet, make sure you get out there and look at that thing because, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, we did our review of the War Striders from Arms of the Chosen back in, I think, the first season of the Deliberative. We went through so all the different War Striders. Yeah. But this one, I mean, you know, we were picking our favorites back then and all that. Like, this one would definitely be very high on my list. Like, it would be, it would be in the top three. Uh, just because I think when we spoke about this, uh, they were talking about it being in the in the form of a frog, yeah, on, well, like the cover, and you're it, like, why frog? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one, that's a different War Strider. That uh, really, yeah, yeah. That character Dang. in Adversaries of the Righteous has a War Strider, um, like in his write up, and it's just kind of like a, it, it's not like a really fully fleshed out thing. But yeah, that frog thing, it's on the it's on the cover of Adversaries of the Righteous and it's actually written up in that book. This is this is something different. So, I mean, it does it has some similar features like the ability to change between different shapes, but So 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 hold on. <clears throat> hold on. So there's more than one shape-shifting war strider in the universe. Yeah. 
So let's say if if you had a player, I don't know, let's call him Jim, and (laughs) he designed a lunar and took a four or five dot artifact, could he have a shape-shifting war strider? I mean, you know, it would all depend on exactly what the power level was and all that kind of stuff. And and also, like, if the game... I mean, would. I would only blow up small cities, not yeah. big ones. I promise. <laughs> I mean, blowing up cities is, like, the primary goal of your character creation. You know, like, you, you, you've got to have that ability to blow up cities. But, yeah, I, uh, I mean, it would all depend on the story, of course. You know, do you guys want to have a story where one guy's got a giant war strider? I mean, and you do maybe have a story the going to that on where is yes. there is a war strider in your current Dragon Blood story. There is, there is, yeah. Mm. So, um, just and who can't knows? Give them to the players. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> the players uh, would would want it at some point. We'll see how that story develops. But uh, <laughs> anyway, and then of course, you know, since the last time we've been uh, with you guys on the air here. The whole Siderials book has been released, and uh, and yeah, maybe like fifth or sixth on my list of uh, of time machine targets might be going back and doing a podcast. Time machine talking. targets. Yeah, <laughs> I would kind of want to go back and do a podcast where we go through the Siderials book the same way we went through the the Exigence book because. Oh man, it, there's so there's so many good things in this book. It's such a different, it's such a departure from uh, the normal exalted stuff. And yeah, and, you know, I was talking with Jim uh, about this yesterday a little bit. Uh, when as I've like read through the different editions of Exalted, the book that has always like cemented my love for the game more than any of the others has always been the Siderials book because it's the book that finally, it finally just like peels back the curtain and is like, here's what's been going on. You know, like you get hints of it in like the core book or whatever, you know, they talk about this war between the gods and the primordials and the, or the ancients, you know, the ancients is actually growing on me because it's used like pretty much, uh, um, exclusively in the Siderials book. And it, like I said, you know, you see something that many times it starts to grow on you. So ancients, I'm, I'm getting around the ancients, but I'm still going to call them primordials for a while. But, uh, you know, the Siderials book lets you see like, here's what's been going on in heaven since the, since the primordial war. And here's what the gods are doing. And there are, there are characters here in heaven that have been here the whole time. And if you play a sidereal character that w- lives and works in heaven, you're going to have conversations with the people who have been around since the gods overthrew the primordials. I mean, it's like this opens up. And because of that, because the player characters are are entering into a game where all of this stuff is much more uh on the surface, it's it's known, you know, by the by everybody. I mean, you're talking to gods and stuff who, you know, he's been the god of the of like shooting stars since, you know, since before the they threw over through the primordials. He was created by the primordials to be the god of shooting stars. He knows things, <laughs> right? You know, he like, has like this big rifle and like a bag full of stars, and he's just like <laughs> loading them up and yeah, shoot. <laughs> like that's I mean, all he's been doing for eternity. Yeah, but you go talk to this guy and he like he remembers back then. 
you know? And so because of that, because the, the, just the knowledge of the setting, it has to be so much more a part of the game. The, the way that the book reads, it just, I mean, it just really opens up the entire creation, the entire world gives you a much bigger picture. And, and by the way, the, the infernals book does the same from the other direction. It gives you like that, like perspective of the primordials and the, the ones that they, you know, the ones that they exalt that, you know, live in hell. So, so those two books, like the sidereals and the, and the infernals really give you like the full, full view of the entire game from either side of creation, one from the heaven side, one from the hell side. And, uh, and, and I guess that's why they've always, those have been like, you know, my favorite ones and, and, and all chemicals. Cause it gives you the perspective from one of the primordials who like, you know, was lived through the whole thing. So you get like those three have always like kind of been my, my top faves. And I guess that's why is because they, they really open up the whole setting for you. But, um, anyway, I've been looking through, I've been looking through this book. Uh, we were talking a little bit this morning already before we get jumped on the air, like, uh, you know, how much of it we've looked at. I tend to take things where I just go like from page one and I just try to get all the way to the end, like reading every word. And so I am into the charms chapter now, but I have not gotten through the charms chapter. Jim was telling me about some in fiction at the end. So I get Jim, I know you haven't read every word, but you've been skipping around a lot. Yeah. I just, I peruse. Sidereals. Here it comes. They're not my thing, man. They're not my thing. Not, and... not Corey. Put the gun down. <laughs> we're, we're all friends here. <laughs> I mean, of course, the guy who likes to control everything loves the exalted that are in control of everything. And yeah. I don't like people telling me what to do. So, and maybe it's the lunar in me that really doesn't like the side aerials. <laughs> But I just don't like the idea of people messing with me, man. I mean, that's what they do. They're like, hey, he's going to have a happy life. I'm going to go down there and make it crap because that's what <laughs> fate desires. So, yeah, it's like, they're awesome. Don't get me wrong. Sidereals are freaking nasty things. You know, they're, I mean, they got some cool abilities, charms. They know what's going on. Kind of lonely kind of lonely think? it's kind of oh, because of the arcane it's, fate. yeah the arcane fate where like you talk to this dude and they find out you're a sidereal and then like three days later they forgot they even met you and, yeah uh, well so you got you, yeah. you got to play around arcane fate and like uh -huh. you know like put on a mask and you're like i'm not a sidereal i am something else and then they uh, remember that yeah but, you could uh, actually uh, you could actually be a lunar as your uh, resplendent destiny and the lunars think that you're a lunar and you build that character. And every time you come back to that, like lunar dominion as that lunar, they remember you from the last time because they remember the character, you know, Sidereal's resplendent don't, destiny. Don't let is, that mask slip around me. I will cut <laughs> your face. But you know what it is? It's like <laughs> cosplaying. These guys are like the cosplayers. Yeah. Maybe that's why you like them. <laughs> they're, just, they're just a bunch of people going to Momocon, dude. <laughs> That's right. You know, Momocon's like creation. You're leaving your ha your home, your heaven. You're going down to creation, putting on clothes, looking like somebody else. I mean, that's so, cool. They're like these little secret agents and, you know, going around. They're like uh, 
Sam Bakula from like Quantum Leap, like putting right what once went wrong or something like that, leaping through time. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Scott well, Bakula. Time just. <laughs> yeah, you know I've been watching Enterprise with my daughter Elizabeth here lately, and you know I know people know Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap, but he'll always be Captain Archer to me. So I'm a big Star Trek fan. And I've gotten to be even bigger Star Trek fan in the last couple months. But. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, these, I, <laughs> these, I got a, I got a free year of, of Paramount Plus from T-Mobile. Okay, I mean, I've been I've been binging, I've been binging. But anyway, not yeah. a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor. I got my Star Trek Discovery shirt on. You know, like anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there there the types of games that you play are definitely very different as sidereals very different and i would say you know if you don't like the people who are trying to control your fate all the time why don't you go up there and do something about it just well, you tell can... them who you are and then they forget who you are oh yeah. oh you're talking from the more the other person's perspective yeah never mind <laughs> like, but you know uh, i thought they you do were saying say... if you're a sidereal and you don't like the people that you're around you just just <laughs> tell them you're a sidereal and they forget all about you <laughs> Yeah, they no, they, they're gonna they're gonna forget you anyway. Else. They're gonna forget you anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, they like they'll forget you the, like five seconds after you have the conversation. You know, like if you're if you're talking to somebody in your like normal persona, like your sidereal persona, they won't remember five seconds after you walked away. They'll they'll forget the conversation ha- halfway through it. You know, so yeah, huh. they they and like all of your uh, family members from before you exalted, they'll forget you. Everybody you ever loved, your best friends, they all forget you. I mean, there are ways to get around arcane fate. You can create ties to, to people and uh, gives them like uh, lowers the target number they need to be able to recognize you and remember you. But uh, one, it's one hard. thing I did find that was kind of like a it seemed like a really good kind of story hook was like what what they call them. The uh, was it the story? the starborn or the star touched or something like when a sidereal has a child mm-hmm. yeah. and then that seems like a cool story yeah. like if you were playing one of those like yeah that seems cool it would be cool a good start for like a, a different kind of character and uh i was i was that you know like just as you're reading through uh especially this the uh the yushan chapter i think it's chapter three uh, that chapter, especially as it's like describing the whole city and everything there, like there were so many cool adventure hooks there. Uh, I was thinking of, uh, you know, just like the, what do they call it? The carnival of meeting at calibration where the yeah. gate of heaven opens up and like normal people like humans can come and like party in heaven for a couple of days. Uh, and then they're, you know, they're allowed to go home afterwards, you know, and the, the gate like moves around constantly you know so that lots of people get a chance to come in and i was just thinking about the cool backstory of somebody who you know they were one of those kids who you know maybe like a teenager or something when the heaven's gate opened up for them at calibration and they walked through and like partied in heaven and they say sometimes like you know the gods or whatever they're so they're so interested in humans because of their short lifespans and they're like novelties you know that sometimes they will bestow on them like divine gifts like a special uh you know suit of clothes that grows with them over their lifetime and that always stays clean or something like that you know like they will gift them with these things and i was thinking man what an awesome what an awesome backstory for a character, regardless of what exalt type they are. You know, like right. when I was a child, I spent a couple of days 
days in heaven and a party. And, and, and then like also a really good, uh, reason to have some like really neat, like two dot artifact, or maybe even like a three or four dot artifact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is good. Good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, was... usually it's like one day I was digging in the dirt and found like this four dot war axe. Yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> like, it's, so yeah, that does give a, a more interesting way to come up with how you got some of these artifacts. Yeah. Some neat thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought that was so cool, but there were also, man, there's some other, there's some other really neat stuff there. There's a, um, there's a wall called like the, the, the counterman wall or something like that, that, that is in the North side of like the giant, like heaven continent uh, of Yushan. And it, and it's like, it was made, they think by, you know, in, in like really, really ancient times, it was made by the primordials that maybe had some sort of pact with another massive power to say, here's the line. We are going to be on this side of the line and you have to stay on that side of the line. And uh, <laughs> that is like ultra cool. Cause it's like, wait, what something outside of the universe, like, like, beyond the more like the primordial makers of the world in Yushan, there's like something else that they had to make a pact with, you know? I mean, so that is like super neat. You could, you could really design a story about that. Um, you know, one of the other things that they talked about in there that I was like really geeking out about was they had this, uh, it's like a memorial, uh, sort of temple or like a shrine or something that is set up to honor some fallen celestial incarnate. And there's like a caretaker there who wants to pass the caretakership on to somebody else for this like fallen. And, and, you know, maybe that that's another good story for a character. It's like, yeah, I became the caretaker of this thing, you know, but, um, it's a, it, they keep saying it's a fallen celestial incarnate, but they do not identify which one it is. My first thought was, Oh, well, it's gotta be Aurora. Like we know about Aurora, the fallen celestial incarnate from Exigence, you know, uh, that created the Heart Eaters. Those were like the original exalted of Aurora. And the sovereigns. And the sovereigns come out of the blood of Aurora mm -hmm. mixed with the the gem god, whatever. And so like I, I my first thought was, oh, it's talking about Aurora. I wonder why they don't name Aurora. Like, why don't they just say Aurora? Do they think we haven't read Exigence? Maybe this I, was slated to come out before Exigence at, at the time. I, Who knows? I, I think that it's not supposed to be Aurora. Ooh. It's it is left for you to fill in the details. So there's another celestial incarnate that died. Which one is it? Like it could be the, the god of shooting stars, like I mentioned earlier. It could be the incarnate of some green comet. You know, we just had a what, what, didn't we have a green comet here in the last few months? Yeah, there was like a green comet out there, right? Yeah, you could say it was like the god of shooting galaxies because we don't have them anymore. No one shoots a galaxy. And then they replaced him and all he can do is shoot stars. <laughs> yeah, you could you could come <laughs> up with whatever you want to. And the cool thing is like it's a celestial incarnate. So it's like super high power level, right? So maybe this caretaker, they hand the caretakership over to a new person who comes to take control of this like shrine and inside they find something similar to the remember what was it the heart eaters that like if their bones if you touch their bones uh the exaltation would pass into you you know so uh, what if there's I, thought, I think that was one of the yeah yeah that was them they were yeah. in the uh, appendix yeah, yeah. and so them. like 
So what if this like shrine of memory for this like slain celestial incarnate has something in it that the previous caretaker didn't find or didn't want to touch that it like once you reach into this like glowing light or something, you can take this exaltation of the God of the green comet or the God of shooting stars or whatever, you know, and then it's like a perfect seed for a new celestial power level exigent. You know, mm, that's yeah. cool. So yeah, yeah, the heart eaters—they were the ones that had all the pawns. Yeah, they like yeah. yeah the one with all the pawns had the bones that if you touched them. Yeah, so and that, yeah, was, it was that was that was Aurora's. Eaters. So that was Aurora's yeah. thing. So we, you know, we even have like a precedent of like the an exaltation passing from something left over from a former exalt. You know, that you just touch and it comes into you. So you could, you know, you could kind of use that in this. Uh, this and thing. then so, you anyway. could take the. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going back down exigence pathway, but that was so cool that you could take the uh, the former incarnation as like a a, a mentor, like as a ghost yeah, that yeah, followed yeah, you yeah. around. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Yeah, and maybe that you know maybe that previous caretaker you know you go find her later and it's like it it was like some like reduced diminished version of the original incarnate you know and uh you can have like some kind of relationship with that person i don't know yeah, yeah. and you can learn all the stuff that happened without having to go to heaven that's right yeah <laughs> for uh, you anti-siderials out there uh, there should not be dun, any anti-siderials but yeah these guys are super cool they're they're charms i, I i'm kind of looking forward to the uh what is it the the gentlemen's uh, Jatimians? Yeah. Jatimians, yeah. I never yeah. say words right. Those are the Frankenstein um, ones, right? No, no, no. no that's those are the, the liminals. That's the liminals. Uh, the Jatimians, uh, they're like the exalted that are born of the destinies that could have been. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they so don't really they're like have the like anti-siderials. Yeah, they are the enemies of the siderials. Like, they're always trying to break fate and stuff. They have, like, fate-breaking magic. And uh, anyway. I can't wait till they come out because they get... I there will is say, no fate but what we make. Yes. I did th- I, I thought it was kind of dumb when they first mentioned them way back when when third edition was first rolling up, you know, and they were talking about these Jatimians that are like these you know enemies of fate or whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. Do we need that? You know. And then like when we got the Essence uh, book, uh, like the manuscript, and like look, which by the way, that's another news item. If you are an Essence person, the uh, the PDF, the backer PDF for Essence is now out. And yep. uh, they're still collecting some errata and they have to take care of all the page XX references and all the stuff that they normally do between the time that they give you the backer PDF and they finally release the real thing. But uh, but anyway, it's out now. If you, I'm sure you know that already. Uh, if you weren't a backer of Essence, well, now, you know, it's it's out. <laughs> and um, there, you know, that book, there's I, I hate always picking on Essence, but. There's some weird junk in that in that uh, backer <laughs> PDF, but anyway, we won't get into all of that. Like, there's some real like there's some artistic stuff in there. There's there's a lot a lot a lot of typos and things. And anyway, and then there's like uh, we were looking at the new uh, the new Infernal cast marks because they finally printed those. You know, like they described them in the manuscript, and now we finally got to see them, and uh, they are cool. They are cool. There's the 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 one for the um, the first one. It's taking it's taking the place of the Slayer cast. I want to say it's like the um, gosh, I'll never think of it in time. But anyway, the first one is like a little too square for a cast mark. It's supposed to be like a little green sun with like rays shining out, but it shines out in the shape of like a square. And I think that's a little wonky looking. But anyway, I, I, it's still cool that 
that Infernal's got new cast marks because their old cast marks were were kind of dumb looking. But um, <laughs> no, they were. They were just like pictures. Yeah, it's like a picture of two cross swords on your head. Well, that's a little different than all the other cast marks. Which, by the way, Sidereals kind of have dumb cast marks too. They've got the uh, <laughs> they've got the signs of the you know like the different astrological signs that kind of glitter on their forehead, uh, which is you know I mean it's always been that way. Uh, they they didn't change it for third edition. Uh, one interesting thing about Sidereals is you can cover that up. Like you can put like a headband on and it will actually cover up that cast mark. Unlike Solars, you know, that'll just blaze right through whatever you put on top of it. They'll forget about it anyway. So why do you yeah. care? Yeah. <laughs> Their animas are really cool though too. Returning to Sidereals, like they, you know, they have like halos. Uh, that are like the color of their their maiden, you know, like so if you're the the chosen of of uh, endings, you know, Saturn, you're, it's going to be like this purple halo that shines around you. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, just so the, the, the look and everything is just one awesome. thing I do like about the the sidereals. I mean, and I don't not like it. It's just sidereals in general. I don't like the book's great. Uh, it does dive into the uh, bronze and gold faction stuff that yeah. we've talked about uh, on an episode. So there's some background, some some stuff. Yeah, I'm still get, on. I'm still on Team Gold, but yeah, I'm still on. <laughs> I, you know, I, I am like, I'm on Team Gold if I'm wanting to play a, a Solar's game. I'm on Team Bronze if I'm wanting to play a, a Dragon Blooded game. If I'm if if playing I was, a Lunar game, I'm on Team Silver. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I, I could see, you know, you could see the, the benefits and the, and the, um, you know, all of the good points of each one of those different you know, perspectives depending on what you want to play. You don't play, I mean, who's, who's going to be a, who's going to be a solar that, that thinks solars are evil. Well, there actually probably will be, there are probably some people out there that think that way, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like just be so, an abyssal and then be evil. Yeah. 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 I or can't wait the, till we play abyssals. Be the angsty like... abyssal that, uh, you know, that, that wants to fight against his, his fate. Of course, they they get like racked with pain and all this other kind of stuff if they try to go against their makers. You talk about people who have control, man. The Neverborn have some control over those guys. <laughs> so uh, yeah, much more so than the Sidereals. You ju- you just think you don't like them Sidereals. You wait. Sidereal can at least fix their fate. You know they can change it. But uh, their charms are really cool. Sidereal charms are really, really cool. If you've never done Sidereals in any of the different editions, like the thing that they do is they change target numbers on the dice. So instead of successes being 7 through 10, uh, it, it can move around a bit. Like it can't ever go below 4, but you could get it down to 4. So that like a 4 and above is a success on a roll. Uh, you can also push it higher for your enemies. You can push their target number from 7 up to 9, as far as 9. You can't go as far as 10. 9's the limit. So... But you, you can make it easier or, or more difficult to actually roll successes on dice, which is really, really cool. Fits in with the theme so well of like being able to kind of tweak fate, you know, like guide uh, uh, po- possibilities and things like that. And uh, they also have like uh, they have horoscope charms where you're like literally kind of like uh, like blessing or cursing people according to different things. Like, you know, if you're the if you're one of the chosen of journeys and your whole thing is all about like travel, you know, that kind of thing, uh, you can actually bless someone so that their target numbers go down for everything that they do as they are traveling to their destination or you can curse them 
to like raise their target numbers for everything that they do as they're heading toward their destination. You know, it's some of that. Kind of, and it, it's interesting when it talks about that. It's like, you know, you, when you, when you throw a curse on somebody, the storyteller's not going to sit here and like, you know, remember or try to like simulate in the background all the time. This, this person had to roll dice or whatever. They're just going to narratively describe that. Yeah. The person finally got to where they were going, but man, they had a really hard time getting there. Seemed like everything they did was failing, you know? So it's, it's like you use it narratively, not so much you like die mathematically. Of dysentery. Yeah. Like the Oregon trail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, but the the charms are really cool. The essence or the uh, excellencies are really cool. Not only do you add dice with an excellency, but you can spend a moat in an excellency to uh, reduce a target number. And depending on what your essence is, and what your ability like like how high your ability uh, rating is in that ability, you can you can lower it more and more. So if you know if you just you starting out, you're going to lower it like one target or like the, lower the target number down to six. But if you have that ability at like three or five or something like that, you can lower it down to five. And then if you get like up to essence three, you can lower it now down to four. So using the S excellencies to add dice and lower target numbers at the same time. Uh, super, super cool. So, uh, and then they have these like cool capstone charms called prayer strips, uh, you know, like where, or like where you, if you have like 10 charms of a certain ability, you can get like this capstone charm for it where you use these little prayer strips and stuff. Uh, that's been there in other editions too. It's just very cool to see it translated into third edition. And, uh, who knows, maybe somewhere down the road, we'll do like a longer review of some of the sidereal stuff. I don't even know if, when the next time we'll ever get together to do a deliberative is, but you know, Hey, it's, we're, yeah, it's fun. Get back together again. It's fun. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. Anyway, any other thoughts on sidereals? Are we just going to ignore the prophecies? The clearly coolest part of sidereals? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> the prophecies are pretty cool. Charles, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, okay. Look, I love Terminator. Uh, and <laughs> This just really scratches that itch. No, um, you know what it reminds me of when uh, back when I was running a third edition game uh, for my buddies, one of them used, um, oh, I can't even remember what it was. He used some charm where he forbade a merchant from speaking about money. And I, I can't remember what the charm was, but it like, it poisoned words or a concept and it prevents the target from talking about that. This kind of reminded me of that in a way where it's like, there will be one, like imagine if someone had like cursed a bunch of people and they couldn't talk about a subject, even though it was like very important and needed to be talked about to prevent something mm -hmm. awful from happening. And then like, what if there's this prophecy of, you know, there there will be a child who will speak of this and those words <laughs> haven't been heard in in eons, you know? And right. I was just like, yeah. oh, that's oh, that's just such a cool thing that you can you can make your own prophecies and have like this mechanical benefit or penalty that goes along with I don't know, right. man. That's just like the raddest thing ever i'm as excited cool. about something like that as jim is about shape changing yeah that's I mean, the kind is. of stuff that does it for me 
it is very cool and, and it works very much like uh sorcerer's workings uh you know it, it has it uses like kind of the same overall yeah, like duration framework. frequency yeah. power and scope and stuff yeah, yeah. that you make the rolls in order to uh. get there like there's a terminus yeah so you you kind of build this prophecy that does that uh, I, I think it's very cool. I think it's a very cool system. I think that, you know, it gives a lot of player, a lot of room for player creativity for using that stuff. I just, I do wish that they would have used a different example or maybe given a couple of examples for the, the, the prophecy thing, because I thought that the example prophecy that they put in the book was the stupidest thing ever. Like, it, I mean, it's like, these this this uh traveling like uh musician or whatever performs for you and you really like his performance and so you're gonna make a prophecy that he's gonna do he's gonna do well out there and i mean <laughs> like it just it's just so it's so lame it's so like oh so uh, a a a bunch of npc musicians uh, who, who you're never going to see again like after they leave you you know you're going to go to all this trouble and like they're even like talking about oh he's going to get this person to be like a co-signatory on the prophecy they're going to push it through the 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 heavenly bureaucracy you know the the uh, bureau of destiny they're going to grease the wheels and all this kind of stuff to make sure this prophecy is written into the loom of fate and the whole thing is about like like storyteller NPC musicians that the player characters probably aren't even going to see again. And it's like, you did all this work so that like, yep, those NPCs, you know, you, you won't see them, but they did pretty good this next year. Like I, I, mean, I just, I just was so uninspired by that example. Like, it's like, this is like, I could never ever see any of my characters, like from the top of my potential list of characters that I ever want to create all the way down to the very bottom, like God of dirty buttholes or whatever, like every single person. I mean, the, uh, you know, the exigent of the God of juice weasels, you know, he's up there at the top somewhere, but like this whole list of characters of like, even down into like the stupidest characters, characters that i can't ever imagine playing i just can't imagine any of those characters at any time going that was a really interesting uh musical performance i think I'm so gonna Corey, do Corey, i know you started at the beginning bless those people do what i said i know you start at the beginning but uh when you get to chapter eight on the artifacts yeah there are some really cool oh i know uh, hearthstones Oh yeah, There's some, some really cool. You know, most be, me, me, I go straight to the weapons and the armor and all that stuff. <laughs> right. But the, there's some cool Hearthstones, like Demon ban, uh, Banishing Jewel, which allows you to attack dematerialized enemies. I nice. mean, that. I mean, every time we attack something that's like a god, I'm always like, "Well, are we going to be able to kill this thing because it could disappear or whatever?" Yeah, the so, answer is always no. By the way, yeah, <laughs> I can rip them in half though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't looked back there at the at the artifacts and stuff yet. I assume that there's some really cool like star metal weapons and sidereal. Uh, oh yeah, there's a ton of star metal weapons. Yeah, it's like every new book that comes out that brings out like new charms or new martial arts or any kind That's of a, artifacts they always have to kind of like do a little bit better than what was already i mean what's already creep, in existence yeah. is yeah, good you always have to do power creep 
Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, how can we make this better? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, Exalted does have the potential in that regard to just like because there's so many different types of things. It's like it's not it's not strictly mathematically better, but it is cooler in this way. Like you know, a, a war strider that can change shape into different giant mechanical animals. Yeah. I mean, you know, like that's not strictly better than like some huge solar colossus type of thing. But it's just, it's cool in that regard. Like the other one, it might be super powerful, but it can't change shape, you know? So I, that that is one thing that they give themselves like an out on. It's like, yeah, we, we have to, we have to like make the cool factor. Like, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta be there, but it can kind of just be there by the, by just by virtue of the fact that this is a different sort of being and I, they have I different sort of I think you said when you read uh, Straw Maiden Janice, you had to go back to the solar book to make sure that she wasn't more powerful than them. Yeah, because the abilities felt powerful in a, di- in a way that the solars didn't. Now, the solars were still more powerful than her but some of her abilities you know like some some of the things that charles were pointing out back in that episode you know like the ability like she just like lands and like boom this like huge uh radius around her like the ground just kind of quakes and then she can dash dash through, and destroy everything yeah, yeah like do like feats of destruction <laughs> as she's dashing through range bands so just awesome. like blowing stuff up. yeah it's super cool but then you go back and look at like what solars can do like in terms of like the feats of destruction and stuff and it's like on a whole different scale like, oh gosh yeah <laughs> But it just doesn't have that thematic way of doing it that she did. But that like matches her. And when you look at the solar's thing, it like matches them. And when you go look at the lunar's thing and they're turning into giant chimeric monsters and ripping things in half, it's like, oh, that's super cool. It matches it matches them. So the the Siderials have their own sort of way of things working out, which, you know, has to do with prophecy and making things get to where they're supposed to be and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is actually very, very cool in its own right. So, so man, the, what they did when they built exalted was like, they just really, really made just like the perfect, it really is just like the perfect game. There's so many cool <laughs> things here, but um, anyway, yeah. So a lot of cool stuff in, in uh, Siderials. I can't wait to get to read the, the Sidereal martial arts styles. I, I You know, I, in one sense, I feel kind of ashamed that I didn't jump ahead to read those because I am such a huge fan of martial arts in Exalted. And I understand that the companion volume for the Sidereals book, the one that they, you know, kind of built through the Kickstarter, which was very highly successful, by the way. The, the Kickstarter was like, I mean, I think it did like double what the Exigence Kickstarter did. And so the number of uh, stretch goals and things that they hit was like off the charts. And they, I mean, like it, it seems like this this uh, expansion volume that we're getting through that is essentially like another uh, Scroll of the Monk. Like they, they've added so many what was martial arts styles. That was the second edition martial arts book. It was just like a whole book of nothing but uh, like a ton yeah, of yeah, different yeah. martial arts. Yeah. So they're, uh, th- this companion volume is like that. I mean, they put so many in there. I don't know the exact number, but it was, it was heavy, heavy, heavy uh, number of martial arts styles. So anyway, so that's all very cool. I can't wait till I get into reading the uh, sidereal martial arts because uh, they were so cool and game breaking, like literally game breaking in second edition. And uh, hopefully they've kept it from being super game breaking in third edition, but you do want a little bit of that wonkiness in there because it wouldn't be sidereal martial arts without ripping the universe open so <laughs> we'll see which i think it's cool too all sidereals get the martial arts merit for free you don't have to pay for that 
So uh, that that is pretty neat. It's like kind Dang of encouraging it. people to be cheaters, martial artists. Yeah. Well, I mean that's their thing. Martial arts is their thing. So no, cheaters <laughs> is their thing. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So, so very cool stuff there. Looking forward to seeing that book finally come out. Still looking forward to seeing Exigence. I, I'm waiting for that backer PDF. Uh, somebody in our Discord says the the essence backer PDF is out, and I thought he said Exigence. I thought he did too. And I I, did too. my heart skipped like four thousand beats. I was like, <laughs> oh, you know. And then it was like essence. Uh, okay. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, uh, moving on, uh, we're, before we get into our discussion, which we're going to have a very interesting discussion uh, on this one. So make sure you stay around for in, in case I tick you off in the next five minutes. Uh, uh, make, sure, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you stick around for our discussion on AI and the future of AI and role playing, because uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But I, I need to bring something up that happened a couple of months back on the Onyx Path Discord, that's actually really troubling to me. Uh, just thinking about Onyx Path and and their employees and uh, the way that they sort of handle themselves. Uh, I had reached out on the the Onyx Path Discord in their looking for group uh, thread or whatever because we, as we were getting our stories back up and running on our play by post site, we had an opening. We had, we had a person that, uh, had been playing. He didn't want to play anymore, you know, cause there was like a five month, uh, hiatus there. And, uh, four, I think it was four months at the time, but it'd been like a four month hiatus. And he was like, I've moved on I'm doing other things. I don't really want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll see if we can find you a replacement. So I went to the Onyx path discord to put up a looking for group thing or looking for a player. And I just posted on there that we have our, a play by post exalted site. And, um, you know, we, we, the, what we do on our site, we try to like build novels uh, of our stories, you know, like we're writing it kind of like a novel as we go. We really think of it as like collaborative storytelling more so than like play by post, uh, role-playing. And, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's a little bit more of, it's a different kind of animal than maybe what you're used to. So we're looking for somebody who really, you know, finds joy in writing and, and that kind of thing. And also just want you guys to know, we are a mostly Christian group. I say mostly there, there, uh, there's, just, I think at least one who is not, uh, a confessing Christian, but you know, we, we we're fine playing with those kind of folks, but you know, I am the owner of the thing, Christian guy. And most of the people who play there are Christians. My daughter's there, you know, she's Christian as well. And so I said, if that's going to, uh, be a problem for you in any way, then, you know, like, I just want you to know up front, this is really what we're looking for. Like people who would fit our group. And, uh, and then, so th then we had a, we had a person come try to join who, um, really seemed like he just kind of wanted to make a, an issue of the thing. Uh, you know, like he, he, he was asking a bunch of questions, but then kind of immediately got to, well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, bisexual and any character I create is going to be bisexual. And so uh, is that going to be a problem? And I just politely told him, yes, that, that is a problem. That that's one of the reasons why I said, you know, we're a Christian group. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're looking for people who are like going to fit in with our group and not try to make waves, make an issue out of things. And this guy was very, he was very obviously going to make some issue out of it saying every character I ever play is going to be like this. And so I just want you to know that, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes, it's going to be a problem. Thanks for telling me. I was, I was polite to him. Thanks for telling me whatever. Well, then he went back to the Onyx path discord to tell them all that we were bigots and, uh, and that, you know, uh, be, be warned or whatever. So Dick 
Dixie comes on there and deletes my post uh, about looking for a person to join our group. And, uh, and then we get into a discussion. I get into a discussion with Dixie about how, what we were looking for, you know, what I told this guy, you know, being polite, just letting you know, it's this. And, and this, this discussion kind of went back and forth for a while. And I, I find so much of what happened there, uh, very, very disingenuous from, from a lot of perspectives, because like, first of all, I have seen over and over again, different groups of people who are like, we want an all LGBT game or whatever. We want an all this and that. Well, I'm just saying I want an all normal game. Okay. (laughs) I don't, I don't want all of this extra stuff out there. I'm not, I I just don't want, I don't want an, I don't, you know, I, I don't want somebody coming in who's like, well, I just want to be like a Satanist and do it like, like, dude, I just don't want, I don't want that. We just want to tell a cool fantasy story, right? I, I'm not, I, I don't come to your, when, when people put a post out saying that they want to build some all LGBTQ game or whatever, I don't go try to join their site saying that I'm going to play the Bible thumping uh, preacher who hates LGBT people. Right. Like, like I don't go to their game trying to stir up that kind of controversy. I would, I know for a, for an absolute fact that that would not be welcome there. And I also know for an absolute fact that their turning me away would be very much more rude and hateful than me simply (laughs) saying, we're not, we're just not looking to tell those kinds of stories. Right. So like there is a, there is a huge mismatch in the way that these things are are uh you know kind of done and uh and so i just thought that that was like that was very disingenuous and and ugly on the on the start of it but then but then there it got into a little bit of a different uh kind of a conversation there where you know i i know that onyx path is always like super careful about offending people from other cultures and and things like that when i was talking to uh kim godwin on my other podcast about the Trinity continuum. And she was talking about making some, some part of the story about this like Indian uh, cult, like Hindu kind of a thing in this temple or whatever. Like she's telling me about all of these like different Indian folks that she talked to, to make sure that the story was not offensive. You know, like she didn't want to in any way, like get something wrong or hurt their feelings or any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes that, that sounds to my ears, it sounds like a little bit overkill. Like you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, try to check with 10 different people to see if something that you're writing is offensive or not. I mean, if it obeys like general human decency sort of things, you ought to be able to kind of get by with it, you know, with the benefit of the doubt. Like I would never, I would never like try to just go pick somebody apart for some small little thing, you know? Uh, but, but I know that they care about that. Right. I know that Onyx path like actually cares about not offending people who, who belong to these different groups or who are a part of these different ethnicities or different religious beliefs or that kind of thing. They, they always are like out outwardly focused. They, they, they say they want the people in the community to know that they care about this and they don't want to offend people. Well, in that conversation that we were having on the Onyx path discord, Dixie was telling me that she had a Catholic boyfriend. So she knows everything there is to know about Christianity. And let me tell you what you ought to be believing as a Christian. And I was telling her the whole time, all like we care, we we care about the Bible. Like we are, we are people of the book 
And if, if the Bible says that a certain thing is a wrong behavior, then that's what I believe. I believe what the Bible says. I don't come up with something different. I just, I believe what the Bible, I'm a person of the book. I'm a Christian. That's, that's what I am. Right. And she was telling me, well, I have a, I have a Catholic boyfriend. And so I'm not religiously persecuting when I say this, but you can't believe that anymore. And if you ever give up those beliefs, then you're welcome to come back here, but not until you give up those beliefs. And wow. Let me just say that that is, that is so far beyond, that is so far beyond acceptable. You know, I mean, you would never do that to anybody else. If a Muslim told you that they were against homosexuality, which they are, by the way, if a Muslim would have told you that, would you have told me that you have a Muslim boyfriend and he doesn't believe in that? And so it's okay for you to just, I mean, how, how, how similar is that to the whole, like I I had a black friend in high school once. So that means I can say racist things to you right now because I once had a black friend. I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing that she was espousing. Now, let me just be clear. I love Dixie and I like Onyx Path stuff, you know, but this was so far beyond the, the realm of acceptable and it, it really, it really makes me uh, just concerned about the, the way the company deals with people who believe differently than them. Uh, they want to espouse diversity and all of this kind of thing as if that's as if that's like a big uh, uh, a benefit to have diversity. But you are not allowed to disagree with them on anything. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I I don't know my Christianity from having a Catholic boyfriend. I I am a Christian because I've been one for over 30 years. I went to the world's largest seminary where I graduated at the top of my class and became a pastor in the world's largest denomination, the world's largest Christian denomination. I was a pastor for over four years. I've been in ministry for over 20 years. Uh, if, if you think you know a little bit about Christianity because you have a boyfriend who's Catholic, I think that I might know a little bit more about it than you. And also I've read the Bible dozens and dozens of times from cover to cover. I'm very familiar with what it says. So let me just say to you, Dixie, to you, Onyx Path, and to you people out there who think that you can just tell Christians what they should believe about things, uh, we'll, we'll do just fine looking to that ourselves. Thank you very much. But if you want to espouse the fact that you, uh, that you care about diversity, maybe it's time to stop trying to expect everybody to have the exact same opinions as you about every single thing in the world. Or does diversity to you only mean skin color and what kind of junk you've got between your legs? So anyway, like I said, if you stuck around through that, we're about to have a discussion about AI. But hey, but before we do, <laughs> I was going to add something to that. Okay, I mean, please add, please add. I'm sorry. I, I know that that was like really intense or whatever, and I and I and I kind of hate doing that. But like honestly, that was really, really, that was really awful what they did. I was going to say, uh, you like sidereals. I don't like sidereals, <laughs> but we yeah. can still get along. That's right. I mean, you view sidereals. Let me tell you how you should view sidereals, Corey. They <laughs> are messing with people's lives. I don't That's agree how with I feel. That. But yeah. you don't believe that. So, but we get along. We could still play games. Right. We just maybe won't play a sidereals game. Right. You will. I won't. Yeah. Not 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 anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. 
it's just and, and what's what's interesting about that whole exchange uh was i mean this was ugly and i and i kept the receipts by the way i mean i've got i have screenshots of everything that was said but uh and, and i'm not gonna do it i don't have any i don't have any like hard feelings about it i even wrote like a you know i wrote a nice letter to dixie uh afterwards which i hope she read um you know sent her, sent her a nice letter and uh kind of explaining myself a little bit more because she she um she timed me out on the server where i couldn't even speak anymore you know so i um i said and i was not being mean or anything at all uh i wasn't being rude in the slightest just just you know trying to explain why i wanted to advertise my group the way that i did but uh anyway uh i actually met quite a few people as a result of that exchange uh we had a lot of people who were like private messaging me uh, during it, you know, saying, wow, I see you have met the tolerant left, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, I got to meet a lot of interesting people that way. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of them were not exalted fans. Uh, but I was like explaining the game a little bit to them, explaining our website. And they're like, Oh, well, we'll check it out. You know? So I actually made a few new friends, uh, as a result of that particular. Well, exchange. I mean, I, I would but, think that, and this is just me coming from my perspective. I, I play video games and role play to escape like what's going on in the world. I just right. want to go and kill some stinking monsters and get treasure. Right. I mean, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, if you had, hey, let's role play a day in the life of uh, the, this is the office role play game where you come in and you sit down and you type. Or, I, I'm not playing that game because right. I do that all the time and i hate it um i would rather go out crawl in a dungeon kill some monsters wreck cities you know do stuff that i can't do in the real world right uh and that's fun it's an escape you know it's the whole the whole thing of you know like the whole birthplace of this is imagination and when you're imagining things you're imagining things that you just really can't do like flying around you know the world or whatever right. uh, with wings or something crazy like that right. so I, I i just i hate that we have to like we feel like we have to like i don't know do something like just let me play the game i want to play and let me play with people who want to play the similar kind of game that just want to tell a good story and, and escape slay, slay dragons you yeah know? It's, it's escapism I don't want to play a game where we're arguing about the, you know, about the Ukraine war and should we give money to Zelensky or should we broker peace with Putin? Like, like we get that through the news, like all the time. Like we want to do some escape for a while into a fantasy world with dragons and treasures and, and, uh, you know, cool powers and stuff. Like, so anyway, yeah, then that's all I was saying by my, it's like, just, just want to just tell just a, a normal fantasy game. I don't want to get into all of your, you know, identity politics and all this kind of stuff we just want to just want to play a game you know it should not have been it should not in any way have been something to make some kind of big stink over you know and it and it troubles me that that is their uh response to that kind of thing because it's very very lopsided and uh does not seem to care about any kind like doesn't seem to care about tolerance and diversity at all just it's totalitarian yeah, so. it's like it's like, hey, I wanna, uh, hey, I'm I'm looking to buy some uh, some pigs for my farm. It's like, hey, I got some cows. It's like, I don't want cows. I want pigs. Oh, you hate cows. It's like, <laughs> no, I just want pigs. Leave me alone. You right. know, 
<laughs> I just can't believe this is how I found out you guys didn't want to play in my modern office RPG. <laughs> oh, like, good you could have just responded in the group text. <laughs> You know, it wasn't so much that it was a modern office RPG. It was that it was a rules light modern office RPG. Okay. <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that. I backed, uh, just as a brief aside, I backed a game years ago called, like, Murders and Acquisitions. And it is, oh, no. it's, I mean, it's like an over-the-top, like, I, it kind of feels like a wanted RPG like the movie Wanted right. with James McAvoy where yeah. like you are playing these business people but like you're you're <laughs> killing each other to get promotions and stuff. Wow. <laughs> and you back that? I, I did. It was like it was like ten bucks for the PDF and it sounded interesting. So, you know. And I read it. It was funny and interesting. I'll probably never run it, but it was worth the ten bucks, I think. That just Charles's Kickstarter habits are just yeah. I haven't backed <laughs> something on Kickstarter in a while, so well, that's probably good. Yeah, except Delta Green. <laughs> what you get in a year, you'll get a coin that you know for your first year of, of being free of the of the Kickstarter. Uh, oh, oh, like an AA coin yeah. <laughs> or an AI coin. Segway for Corey, for Corey it would be not not buying Segway. something on eBay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Speaking of segues, and uh, I heard uh, it, Jim. <laughs> yeah. yeah <exactly. laughs> um, let's let's How talk. How big's that bookshelf now? Yeah. It's, it's full, dude. It's full. <laughs> I, I have literally, man. I got the other day. You know, speaking of my collection, of <laughs> he can't resist. <laughs> I got, and it was noble noble night. Those guys are so awesome. But they were selling on eBay a like brand spanking new copy of the deluxe uh, first edition in like the slip case, like the cream color deluxe edition in the slip case with the making of exalted book. It was like perfectly new. Like no one had ever touched it and they were selling it for 60 bucks. I was mm. like, you guys are angels, man. This is amazing. So yeah, I got it. So that some sidereal was looking down upon you. Yep, he he reduced my target numbers <laughs> to get a good deal. So yeah, my my shelf is looking really good. I just I just uh, had the last three little things printed for second edition, uh, like the broken wing crane and the uh, thousand actions of the upright soldier. I had those printed on demand for me, so they'll be joining my collection. I got the tale of the visiting flare comic for third edition printed for me, and then I ordered uh, off of eBay the introductory kit for exalted first edition that came out before the core book. So that like, I think that once those uh, find their way to the collection, I think I literally have everything ever published in paper or print on demand for all three editions of exalted. So that's pretty exciting. Even the fiction books and everything else, the comics, I got it all. So, uh, still, you know, I could collect like the, the essence beads, like the personal and, and peripheral essence beads and all that kind of stuff that they made for first edition. I don't know if I want to do that or not. I mean, who am I kidding? At one point I'll probably end up getting it just so that the shelf will have literally everything ever, ever published, but can't have an empty spot on that shelf. Yeah. I don't know how it is, but, uh, anywho, well, let's talk for a second, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry again for like the, the the you know very intense like downer discussion. But you know, like the, 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 these people, they talk about all this stuff. So uh, like they talk about their their political, religious, whatever kinds of things all the time, 
and uh but they always seem to kind of be down and on folks who are different to them and i and you know just wanted to just want to point out just a little bit like we don't ever complain about these people's stuff you know but i i did think that that was way over the line so i just needed to say something about that um, and uh so sorry about that if that was like if that really kind of brought your mood down but uh but let's get back into some fun discussion here because i still love the game i still love dixie by the way i pray for her quite a bit and the other folks at, at onyx path and i i really do hope the absolute best for them uh possible so uh anyway uh talking though about a very interesting topic that uh jim and i i know have had a lot of like kind of noodling around with here over the last couple of months and that is the topic of ai as it relates to well really everything but also especially like role playing so um you know we've we've been seeing uh, a lot like ai has has its fingers in a lot of things that could potentially relate to role-playing games uh just one for me that i've i've mentioned before both on this podcast i think and also on my trinity continuum airways podcast is that using ai artwork in role-playing uh books and using it to create uh characters like concept art for characters and art art assets for like you know like our on our our play-by-post site that we run uh, i i have used mid-journey extensively to be able to flesh all that stuff out even the cover art for our uh deliberative podcast was made by mid-journey so like the the art aspect of ai is definitely just ripe for uh exploitation when it comes to uh, rpgs especially like these like fly-by-night rpgs that don't have a giant art budget to hire all kinds of people to come in and make this artwork uh you can like you could actually completely illustrate a full role-playing game book using ai art only and it would be gorgeous and it would be like indistinguishable just and, about. and that thing has improved massively over the past yeah, couple of months yeah just over the last like five months uh mid journey has like like the uh, things you're producing now i mean compared to what you were doing like three or four months ago yeah it's like it's like 10 times yeah it's, it's, it's like it's the good. like mid journey version three was like uh like a chinese uh weather balloon you know like 10 miles up <laughs> sixty thousand feet and like mid journey version four is like landing on the moon like that's that's like how how different it is it is absolutely unbelievably phenomenal how good the art is that comes out of that thing so uh so i mean that definitely has a place in role-playing games uh what do you think though about like like before we get into like more of the the text-based ai stuff which i know is going to be the most interesting but like just thinking about the art stuff do i know some people have have really you know, they've said that they, they worry about uh, these illustrators, these artists who are out there making money now doing illustrations for role-playing products and how this will kind of like, you know, maybe put them out of a job or keep them from getting all the money that, that they would normally get because people are just going to go do AI art. But do you think that that's the case? Like, do you think that that's a danger or that we should, like, maybe we should back off of some of this before we get to the point where, where AI replaces all creativity or, well, that's too or late. Do, you, do you even care? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's too late. Of, it's, it's too late. late to back off. Yeah. That cat's out of the bag. Yep. But I, I don't mean, know. I think maybe the industry will just change a little bit. 
everybody always says that like the guy who uh, invented the the pencil making machine like oh you're gonna put all these pencil makers out of work well you know the the industry just evolves you know and changes so instead of someone being paid for their mechanical talent they might instead of just being a physical artist that draws you are now someone who has like mastered the prompts and um has utilized this software because i mean there are some limitations you can't draw the exact exact thing you want so maybe you draw you tell the um the ai to draw like several individual pictures and then your skill is using photoshop and putting them all together in this one dynamic scene or something See, like sure, maybe yeah. just the industry will change a that's, little bit that's what i was gonna say like ai is like i can't draw to, i literally would not be able to draw to save my life but i could use mid-journey to come up with something close but i'd almost never be able to get exactly what i wanted unless i just got insanely lucky so it'll probably just shift where you have actual artists who are using ai as inspiration or jumping off points but those are still the people you pay where it's like i want this exact thing as opposed to like we're putting out a fanzine so like something that has like a dragon breathing fire on a city is close enough you know Mm -hmm. as opposed to an exact like it has to look just like this right yeah well you know and there are ways of of uh controlling the AI to get it to be much closer to what you want. And I was thinking, you know, one of the benefits to AI maybe for, for the artist, right. For the illustrator is that it's really good at like coming up with just like a real, like wide range of different things that maybe you would never have thought of before. And so for brainstorming a piece, uh, you might throw it through the AI and just see what it comes out with and be like, oh, that's I like what it did with color there. or I like what it did with the composition of the scene there or putting that element into it, like that person in the background or that that bird flying through the air. Like I wouldn't have thought of doing that. But now that I see it, like, yeah, I want to do my art that way. So you use it as an idea generator and then create like a, a rough sketch of, of like the things in the picture, like where you want them to be and all that kind of stuff. And then feed that into the AI as input so that it directs what it creates to be like the thing that you created. Uh, you know, so like you used it for ideas, then you produce something, then you put that back into the AI to use it to produce something a little more fleshed out. And then at the, at that point you could use like, like Jim said, your Photoshop skills to come in there and clean up, you know, the fact that, Oh, he's got six fingers on that hand or whatever, <laughs> you know, like clean up different things and, and Mid add journey your, does love mutant hands. It does. It's getting a lot better, <laughs> but it still loves it. I was creating, um, I was creating uh, an artwork for a character that was holding like a hammer and in like the perfect uh, shot that I had that I, I wanted with like him there with the hammer kind of laying on his shoulder, he had like 20 fingers on that hand, right? And I was like, Dang. I mean, it was so many, it looked like a piano. And, uh, and I was like, what the heck? And so what I did was I ran variations on that image and I did it like a bunch of times. It kept coming up with weird, like the, the hammers were all different. The faces were different. The clothes were different, you know, but I finally got one that had a hand that was like normal that was in sort of the same place as it was in the original image. And then I like composited those two images together. I like, I did one as like a mask over the other one. And then I like erased to get the good hand to take the place of the 20 fingered hand. 
so that and you can't even tell like you know and so a person who is like a really good artist who can touch up and add their personal style to some of this stuff uh, i think that that it would actually be a really good tool for them it's like you said it doesn't it doesn't delete their their contribution it changes their contribution in fact it probably speeds up their contribution right right they could actually end up doing now the people who get good at the ai i mean you're gonna have to learn a new skill but, uh, you know, it could actually speed up how many pieces you can put out and people will still be willing to pay for like a, you know, like a perfect illustration of exactly what they want with the exact right number of fingers. And, um, you know, I, I, I watch people on Midjourney all the time because I love to go look at just the community feed of what people are doing. And I'll see some like amazing shot, you know, like, like, uh, you know, some, some, uh, model woman who's like standing there like like in this like really pretty dress and the lighting is perfect and everything the hair is perfect and i'm like how did that guy get that picture you know and uh and then you'll see him he's got like 20 images of the same woman and he's like how did he get that how did he get the same woman to come out of the ai over and over and over again and, I, and you can go look that's what i love about mid-journey you can go look and see what their prompts were see what their inputs were and i've seen how people use images that they feed to mid-journey as input to direct it to produce the same individual over and over again in different poses, different lighting and all that kind of stuff. And then they use like in the prompt, they'll talk about what camera they're using, field of view, focus length, all that kind of stuff. So they can get it to be like this perfect photograph. And so I've started using that when I create character artwork. Like if I have a certain look that I'm like, I want this character to look this way. I feed those images that look most like that character back into the AI as, as uh, input. And then in my prompt, I describe them in a different position, like holding a weapon or crouched, you know, in an action stance or whatever. And it will actually put the face that it has designed before that you're feeding it back again as input, especially if you have like two or more. Uh, if mm -hmm. you have just one, it might put like a beard on him in the, it, like, if you do like, like maybe he was clean shaven to start with, it'll put a beard on him when you do it the next time. But if you have like two or more shots of this, of like the same similar face, it will begin to produce pictures that are all of that character. It's like, it learns, it's like, okay, you want this person. Okay. I'll keep putting this person in the new pictures. And so you can really like get your, like, you can really like learn a skill for how to use this stuff and get it to produce some amazing pieces. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, but, but I, for the, for the small time, the small time RPG folks, they weren't ever going to spend money on the illustrator anyway, unless they had like a good friend that was a good artist. I know back when we were thinking about putting out some martial arts styles on the, um, storytellers vault and things like that. I was, I was talking to a girl at my church, like a teenage girl, who's a really good artist. And I was like, if I told you to draw me a picture of like two guys, like Kung Fu fighting or whatever. And I gave you some, you know, like I told you what kind of weapons they were using. And I told you like kind of how the moves would look. Could you draw me a picture of that? So I could use it for like interior art in this thing that I'm doing. And she's like, yeah, I think I could do that, you know? And I, but like, I don't have to do that anymore. If I wanted to make a cool book, I would just go get mid journey to make this stuff. And I would spend some time on it. Like I would run the, the thing like a bunch of times to get like just the right look, you know, but I can now make things that look professional because I have access to art that I don't have to pay thousands of dollars for, you know? So yeah. I think it's very democratizing in that way. It, it brings it speed, publishing it to the masses. The, uh, the final product too. I mean, think yeah, about absolutely. how many uh, books we're waiting on art. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, and we were so. looking at some of the uh, Bifford and I were, were kind of looking through some of the uh, the pages on the the Essence PDF, and it was like, look, here's here's like half a page of empty space. You know, there's like nothing there. It's just the text ended at the top half of the page, and then there's like a empty half a page, and it's like you could just put a piece of art there. Was well, like, well, then then we would have to commission a new piece of art. Well, you could go to Mid Journey and have a piece of art to fit there in two minutes flat. In two minutes flat, I could have the perfect piece of art that would look just as good as the rest of the stuff in the book. You could slap it right there in that empty space, and it would make the book look a lot better. You know, mm. like that's the kind of thing that Mid Journey and these like AI art things really open up for you. The ability to, you know, fill in those gaps. Uh, you know, and for the, for the person who doesn't have a lot of money that still wants to make a professional looking product, you can elevate them to the point where, where they look like kind of like they, they did it just like you did. Now, maybe that's threatening to the gatekeepers who are like, well, we've always counted on the fact that we're spending a lot more money on this to ensure that our stuff was the best, was the most popular out there because nobody else can approach our level of like production value. Well, now the fly by night dude in his, in his garage can make production value stuff, you know, like high production value stuff and looks like your stuff. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it's not hard to, to, to get, to get text uh, and grammar uh, formatted just as good as your stuff. <laughs> I've, seen a, I've seen a lot of spelling and grammar errors in, in uh, all these manuscripts and things, you know? So yeah, I mean like the, the fly by night dude in his garage can now like equal the quality of the people who do like $600,000 Kickstarters. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty cool to me. That's pretty cool. I like the ability of the little guy to be able to do big stuff. I think it's pretty cool, but, uh, shifting, shifting gears for a second here into maybe like what would be, mm, I don't know if it's more exciting. It's just exciting in a different direction is the, advent of this new chat gpt thing bro open ai has come out with in the last few months bro <laughs> this has changed my life really you it's please it's do tell. unreal so i run a i run a 13th age game on monday nights which is very back and forth it gives a lot of the the game assumes that the players are doing a lot of the world building, right? It's it's a lot more right. It's a lot more intrinsically collaborative than most games, uh, but that also means that sometimes it's like it's hard to think of stuff because it is so improvisational and riffing off one another. Right. So we use Chat GPT arguably too much, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's. Like, it's crazy. I'll, I'll give you one stupid example. So we created, uh, they're, they're playing in this city of monsters that's run by this giant evil dragon, right? Called Drakenhall. And we okay. came up with some factions. And one of them I came up with was the DIA or the Dragon Intelligence Agency, which is basically like the FBI or CIA, but for this oppressive city overlord, right? And right. I was like, man, I wonder, let me see if I can get some like common threats that people might hear the DIA make. So I fed like the opening several paragraphs of the Drakenhall setting book into chat GPT. And then I explained that the Dragon Intelligence Agency is this like 
you know, overreaching, oppressive, secret police organization, blah, 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 right? And then I said, give me five common threats that people might hear an agent of the DIA make. And (laughs) now... They're not always all useful. And like some of them are like wildly mundane, which is like, you know, don't do that or we'll throw you in jail. And you're like, okay, well that's like, that's not funny enough. Right. (laughs) Right. But then you get stuff like, uh, and this is, this is one of them that I didn't even edit. If you continue to spread rumors about the DIA, we'll force you to watch our dragon agents perform a choreographed musical number. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, uh, you know, if you persist in resisting the DIA, we'll send a horde of goblins to steal your socks every night for the rest of your life. You know, so like, (laughs) uh, like, I never would have thought of that. And those seem like such soft threats. But like, right. What if that choreographed musical number could kill people if they wanted it to, you know? And so, (laughs) like, you can just twist that stuff. Like, what if socks are a status symbol and you constantly losing them? They're actually pushing you to the bottom of the social stratosphere or something, you know? Like, yeah. Again, those are just jumping off points, but like, right. We've done it for threats. Uh, we've done it for, uh, like disturbing artwork that you might find in a museum that's run by monsters, you know? (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like what's, what's one of those? Like, uh, I mean, again, some of these are kind of, uh, kind of mundane, but like the witch's curse, a haunting representation of a witch casting a spell surrounded by ingredients like bones, herbs, and jars of bubbling liquid. So like that one's not. It's way too plain. Uh, So you do have to, just like mid-journey, you have to fiddle with stuff. But, like, we've done that. We've done, like, what kind of weird food would be served in a city where monsters were the main uh, citizens as opposed to normal people like elves and dwarves and stuff? We did uh, absurd, outlandish city laws. Uh, You know, things that, like you could come up with but like they're you're just going to be coming up with random silly stuff anyways like let chat gpt either do some of that for you or give you an idea that gets you there it's it has changed fundamentally the landscape of our game wow wow I've I've used it a little bit in the game that uh, that I'm running right now uh, one of the games I'm running right now just like I just the other day I was like ah they're at a they're at like another inn they're they're about to have some dinner coming up with like the fantasy menu you know of like what what's on tap or what's what's for dinner uh at this tavern in this fantasy location this week or whatever those kind of things i'm always like oh i gotta come up with something again so i, was, I finally i just told chat gpt i was like all right i'm playing an exalted third edition game we're somewhere near look shy give me some give me like five things that uh five different meals that a tavern might serve for supper and it was like this 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 and this and i just picked one i was like yep that one sounds good let's do it and it just you know saves me from just even doing any kind of like oh no I did, when was the last time i did potatoes and so yeah it's just it's just kind of nice it's a little bit of a crutch to just go okay see you know give me the name of the tavern keeper give me this and that you know and it it can pop that stuff out and of course uh you know we know it can do things like well generate a character backstory for me you know, if you're, if you just really didn't want, or you just wanted some ideas for that, yeah. 
Uh, it can well, the cool thing is, is when stuff. you generate NPCs, you just like snag it and throw it in a Word document, and then whenever you have to recall it, because when you uh, a lot of times when we play on the fly and you just come up with someone's name and it's like the next week we we forgot who the heck that was right right so yeah. like we don't know her name we don't know nothing about her. i've also yeah. used it to create uh adventure hooks right yes. so like yeah it can do that we really well. we have this faction in our game called the mushroom mafia which are anthropomorphized mushroom people who are like crime lords yeah it's a game are you playing over there it's a super over the top very high fantasy kind of game but like i just i I, again i fed this very basic thing like the mushroom mafia or these mushroom people who control crime in the city right and i said generate generate five uh I, i forget the actual prompt but it was like you know generate five illegal activities they might ask someone to perform and again some of them are not that great but then um some of them are are pretty good like uh and i i probably might have come up with this one but this is again an unedited chat gpt output the mushroom mafia has been implicated in a recent murder and a key witness is set to testify against them in court the heroes are hired to eliminate the witness before they can testify either by intimidation or assassination the mushroom mafia warns that the witness is under police protection making the task more difficult so not only does it give like this oh yeah cool like go like we need you to kill someone who like we're the bad guys go go kill that good guy for us to protect us and we'll help you out but then it even added that wrinkle of like well they're also under police protection which you know i just made the dragon intelligence agency to fold in another faction uh so like it's two things like how do you deal like is this the right thing to do because if we do this the help they'll give us is really what we need but like we have to do this terrible thing on top of that we now have to tangle with the dia which is going to make our relationship with them even more complicated and like the more of those things you feed into it the more it ties all that stuff together and it's just yeah it does freaking crazy yeah i used it uh when i was i was um writing this story for this this one uh story i'm telling on our website i was like I, I just told her this. I said, here, here's the story kind of so far. We're, we're doing this, this, this. Here's what the characters are doing. I have planned at uh, kind of like my next big event in the future is I want them to do this, but I need something really interesting and twisty for them to do between these two events. Give me some ideas. And it was like, it gave me some great ideas. Now, I didn't use any of them like perfectly off the shelf the way the AI had come up with it, but it, it gave me like the like it the perfect seed for an idea that then I ran with to create actually a really cool uh not just a twisty part of the game but like really the next major beat in the story you know where I'm like ooh yeah I'll do this this is it and it just really set me off on like my journey to c- like keep fleshing out those bullet points of what the story was going to look like going forward and I mean it does such a great job of that now Charles, I know since you've used it a lot, you've you've most likely hit the wall. But have you found the uh, the sort of limitations of it so far? Well, <laughs> one one of them that we immediately hit was the food part because I told it um, again. I don't remember the exact prompt, but I was like, 
give me give me 13 you know 13th age so give me 13 street foods that would be sold in a city inhabited by monsters and it was like the most wildly banal results you could imagine it was it was like <laughs> corn dog on a stick and i'm like no that's no 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 i see what it's doing i was like give me food that is made with uh with creatures that are typically heroes like dwarves and elves as opposed to animals and it was like oh i can't do that and i was like uh, really yeah because it was like i was basically like uh you know name me foods that jeffrey dahmer might make like give me a recipe oh, that yeah. jeffrey dahmer would make <laughs> yeah and you're hitting like the content exactly like the content so filters. yeah that that has been that's been part of it the the other main limitation other than the like content stuff which again the like i get that that makes sense and there i mean there are ways around it but uh the other one is like just getting such vanilla outputs that it was almost a waste of time giving right. it a prompt so like yeah. my buddy eric who was a player in that monday night game gets the best stuff because he's really good at using chat GPT and uh -huh. so much so that I created a channel in our discord that is only for chat GPT so that we can see the prompts that we're using and the outputs that we're getting so we can all right. get a bit better at it. So oh, that's there's cool. certainly, uh, well, just like mid journey, you know, there's certainly ways to word this stuff to get yeah. quality output and that's really, really hard to stumble upon on your own, I think. And that, the yeah, thing that I was has been my limitation, was, is trying to figure out The thing out I was those. hitting... Sorry, go ahead. Was it, it would just completely forget, like, the the conversation you were having. Yes. Like, you were, you were like, going that's down the this road. That's the true limitation. And, yeah. Yeah, asking all this stuff, and then it's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And I'm like, D you, you were just doing it. And then it, like... It just forgets who it is for a minute. Yeah, it has. Uh, it has a what they call. A, you know, the, it it deals with what are what they call tokens. So mm -hmm. a token is either a small word or it's a part of a larger word. So like, you know, a big word like uh, aggressiveness might be like three or four tokens, but a word like the or with like that would be only like one token. And so it has a four thousand token limit to sort of like it's buffer right yeah. and that turns out to be about three thousand words so it has like a three thousand word buffer of what it remembers you saying and one and, and then once it fills up that three thousand words it just like it just overwrites the the former stuff yeah. so it's like a moving window of what it remembers and i was like my my idea for chat GPT was to create a, a, a completely AI player for our play by post game. And the way I was going to do that was I was going to teach him all the rules of exalted third edition. It knows most of the rules of exalted third edition already. It has actually a pretty good built in understanding of it. Somehow somewhere along the way in its training <laughs> regimen, they have fed this thing like a lot of exalted third edition stuff. I don't know. I don't know like how or why that got to be a part of its training, but it does know quite a bit about it. I got a question to ask about that in a second, but go okay. ahead. Okay. Yeah. So 
I was trying to teach it the rules, right? So I'm, I'm trying to teach it like how it rolls dice and how it does this and count successes and which by the way, it can't count successes to save its life. You can give it very, very uh, clear <laughs> instructions on how to count. And, and you say, okay, so I, I, I fed it. I, I also fed it like an entire character. I gave, I gave it this lunar and I gave it all the lunar's attributes and abilities. I didn't get into charms, thankfully. I would have been wasting my time. But uh, I, I just gave it like all of its attributes and abilities. Gave it numerical scores for all of that. And uh, and then I was like, okay, so you need to climb a tree. It's difficulty one. See if you can climb it. And it's like, okay, climbing a tree. I would roll my uh, dexterity plus my athletics. And, uh, and it's like, let me simulate that roll now. And it like roll, it's like, I have a dexterity of three and an athletics of four. So I roll seven dice and it's like, it puts the, the results of rolling seven uh, D10s out there. And then it's like, I got nine successes. And it's like, no, you got two successes because a seven through nine counts as one success and a 10 counts as two successes. And you have a seven and a nine, you know, and it's like, Oh, you're right. Let me do it again. And then like, I mean, it admits that it was wrong. Right. And then it's like, okay. And it rolls dice. And then it like, it even goes through and it says, it's like, all right, I got a five, five dash zero success, six dash zero success, seven dash one success. It like, it, it shows every die that it rolled and how many successes each one was worth. And like, it, you're just mentally adding it up as it goes, all right, you got four successes. And it goes, I got one success because I rolled an eight. <laughs> like, like you literally in the response, you like showed like it, all you had to do is just add up what you'd already totaled. And it, like it added it up wrong. And I, I tell you no amount of talking to this thing could get it to count six. It counted successes right one time, but it was, I think it was just like a complete fluke. Like how a broken clock is, is right twice a day. Like it just, it like randomly got it right. And I was like, I, I celebrated. I praised it so much. I'm like, you did it. You actually did it you got it right it's like oh i'm so glad i got it right i'm like do it again and it like totally got it wrong so so one one problem was it can't do it can't do like basic single digit integer math like what the heck of all things a computer should be able to do like is math yeah it's weird that it can't do that but it can pass the bar exam yeah exactly which you know that kind of goes i i think that that's that that makes sense because lawyers man they're they're evil people uh, like they're they're not doing anything that comports with the uh, non-contradiction yeah. law of reality oh, this anyway, road so. only goes left <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was one problem and then the next problem was i start explaining some more rules to it or whatever you know and i'm like i'm like all right i just want to test what you know okay let's try to climb a tree again this time the tree is in a sandstorm and it's difficulty two and it's like i don't know how to climb a tree and I was yeah. like, I was like, well, you need to roll your dexterity plus your athletics. And it's like, I don't know what this character's dexterity or athletics are. And I said, I told you all of his attributes and abilities. I don't remember those. Yeah, you hit the wall. <laughs> so it ruined. I mean, it just absolutely ruined my awesome idea of having like a full AI because you know it can respond to imp, like imp, like uh, if you if you fed it a scene, right? Like let's say it was a combat scene, and right. you know, like you tell it, all right, you're a lunar, you you're you have you're equipped with this weapon, you're currently in the shape of a human, and uh, you know you're fighting like a blob monster or whatever, and it comes at you like this. You have to. Describe your defense in third or in third person present tense. Uh, go, 
you know, how are you defending yourself? And it like does a perfect job. Yeah. So if it, it knew does. the rules and it knew its character and you, and you actually fed it the input from the game, it could 100% be a replacement for a, for a player. All right. So I have a question for you, Corey. It just can't remember. All right. What's your uh, question? Since, uh, okay. You know, exalted better than me and Charles combined. Agree to disagree, like, but go all, on. All, all, all existence. <laughs> all, 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 all additions. Um, so first I asked chat GT, GPT if it was familiar with what an exigent was in the exalted third edition game. Uh-huh. So it came up with this response and I want to know is if this is anywhere in the exalted universe or it was just making it up. Okay. So it said, yeah, it's familiar with exalted and the concept of the exigent. It says in exalted third edition, an exigent is a type of character who has returned to the world of creation after being away for a significant period of time. Exigents are former exalted who have lost their powers and are seeking to reclaim it. Yeah, no, that's making that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I corrected it. I uh-huh. said, your, I said, your information's incorrect. Allow me to correct it. <laughs> so I basically said that exalt, uh, exigent is an exalt of a lesser God. Uh, and this God could be the God of a material such as wood and metal, or it could be a concept or an idea like the God of wisdom or the God of money. Uh, it could also be the God of a city or the God of rain. And then I said, an exigent derives its powers from that God and its powers reflect what that God is. So I said, for example, a God of rain could uh, give the powers of the uh, exigent has the ability to make it rain or make it not rain or the power to summon water out of the air or cause crops to prosper or die. So I told it all this and it goes, thank you for correcting my information. The details you've provided are excellent. Uh, your description provides a more complete and accurate picture of what an exigent is and what their powers and abilities might be. So I was like, I taught a computer something. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) so I was like, let let me make it create an exigent for me. Right. So I said, okay, based on the information I gave you, can you uh, create me a, a God of juiced weasels? And, ex- <laughs> and describe what the exigent might look like. Uh. So it did. It did. <laughs> so it says, uh, let's imagine the god of juicing weasels is named Weasor. Oh, wow. Who is worshipped by those who rely on weasels for their livelihood, such as fur trappers or those who train weasels for hunting. Weezer is said to have the power to control and manipulate the juices produced by weasels. Then it gave me a list of powers. Here are some example charms that the exigent of juicing weasels might have. Some for some reason it changed it to juicing weasels instead of juice weasels. It put it into into present tense. So it said uh Here's charm number one. Weasel juice surge. (laughs) (laughs) This charm allows the exigent to infuse their body with weasel juice, enhancing their physical abilities for a short period of time. They might gain a boost to speed, strength, or agility depending on the type of weasel juice they use. So apparently weasels have different types of juices. (laughs) 
This is actually pretty cool. I would never have thought of anything like this one. Okay. Weasel clone. With this charm, the exigent, exigent can create a temporary clone of themselves made entirely out of weasel juice. <laughs> The clone can be used to confuse or distract enemies or attack from different angles. That would be confusing. That would be confusing. <laughs> very, very confusing. So then they had a weasel weapon mastery, basically making weapons out of weasel bones. Uh, weasel companion, which, you know, that's cool. Weasel spirit summoning, where you can just like summon an army of weasels. And weasel transformation, which allows the exigent to transform into a weasel. Nice. And this is the cream of the crop right here. Weasel juice uh. alchemy. So with this charm, the exigent can create powerful elixirs and potions from different types of weasel juice. Oh, they may have a variety of effects such as healing injuries, enhancing physical abilities, or gaining temporary magical powers. Oh, gosh. So... <laughs> I would have never come up with this stuff on my own. Uh, this is gold. It's awesome, man. Imagine what it could do with, like, uh, you know, any other something, god that's yes, not the god of juicing weasels. Yes, something real, yeah. yeah. Like Trailer Trash Janice. Well, oh, if yeah, y'all aren't going to use that, then dibs. Yeah, I'll, send like it'll, I'll send you a copy of it. <laughs> sounds like it'll fit just perfect in Charles's yeah. uh, Mushroom Mafia game. <laughs> mushroom Mafia. Oh, man. The Cremini Crime Lord family will definitely want to use that guy. Oh. The Weasel Juice clone. That's funny. I just thought Weasel Juice Surge, though. Oh, oh man. Just... It, it gave it exalted sounding charm names. <laughs> Weasel juice surge. Weasel juice surge. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh. that's hilarious. That's so good, man. I'm crying over here. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little shout out because I've been like teaching myself some prompts, watching YouTube videos. Yeah. And there's this guy who's called like the AI Wizard, who basically walks you through how to design an entire D and D adventure using Chat GPT. Oh wow, it's yeah. great! But you could take all that stuff you learn and apply it right into an exalted game. That's awesome. That's awesome, and and it's really really good for this kind of thing. You know, the things that we that we've been talking about here, like yeah, coming up with ideas for for exigence and their abilities, and helping you c create a new plot point in a story that you're working on, or you know, providing names and and uh, short backgrounds for NPCs that the characters just are some cool into. descriptive things to put in a certain building, yeah. like that you wouldn't really think about because you're more focused on getting to the story. Like I, I know the guy needs to be there; they need to talk to, right. but then it's like the strange aromas of you know, of cooking meats I'd and blah blah blah. I never thought about that. That's interesting. I I was running a, a game called Twilight Two Thousand a few months ago, which is like role playing in the World War Three that never was. So you're in like war torn Poland, and I remember <laughs> yet, anyway. there were a couple times where they had moved into a new hex that had like this destroyed city, and they were like, "We want to look around to see if there's anything useful here." And I really struggled to come up with 
like really anything other than oh yeah you find some bullets yes you find some food like what are the flavorful things that don't really have a use but sell the setting man i never thought to use it like that well and the thing is it's not like you're not it's not like you're an uncreative person it's just that your mind is on the story and you're doing something else players come across something like this and you you have to like quickly come up with something and it's yeah like when your mind's on the rest of the story suddenly making like a bunch of interesting details for this like nothing location that you're in is just like you just you don't your brain doesn't even want to do it you know it's like and so just having an ai throw that stuff out there is it a crutch yeah does it mean that you're not creative no it just means that you're using a tool to help you along a little bit and it could be very useful in that way it's really no different than using like a d100 table yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. very much like that. It's very much like that. One of the first things that we used it for, role playing wise, uh, was uh, to to make a three dice stunt. Like, <laughs> I think Jim was like, <laughs> "Stunt my defense, but make it a three point stunt," you know. And it was like, "Well, here's the three point stunt," and and it was. I would have only given it maybe a two two point stunt, but, <laughs> 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 but it was still. It was like, this is cool, you know. If you if you you know, we have people who describe attacks, you know, because like, we stunt all the time in play by post. Why wouldn't you stunt? You know, why would you just simply say I hit it with my sword? Like, no, you're going to you're going to put like a lot of details into it. But we tend to see like similar details a lot, especially spins, spins and flips. Like it, it's like everybody's like go to thing to try to get like a higher dice. Stunt. They have says it's what? like. <laughs> I, I spin this way and i flip the that same way. thing baku says my back. Yeah. oh gosh <laughs> yeah i'm gonna jump off this dude's back and spin and flip yeah it's like oh at least you added a jump off the back for that spin and flip but no i'm, just, I'm not trying to uh disparage anybody who uses spins and flips and stuff but i'm just saying that like we tend to think in the same channels of thought often yeah. you know and uh and so having an ai just kind of throw out some extra ideas or it's like oh, oh i wouldn't have thought of doing that but yeah i like that instead of spinning and flipping this time how about i rake my sword along the ground and use it to kick some dirt in the face or that whatever. doesn't get you a two dice well at least in second edition <laughs> no it didn't get me it one. doesn't it doesn't automatically yeah we used to have people do that kind of stuff a lot in second edition because if you use the scenery at all it was a two dice stunt and so like the dragging the sword through the dirt like that came up over and over again so we just started jumping off of awnings <laughs> yeah. that we just yeah. created whole cloth <laughs> yeah so uh anyway but yeah so it can it can really help there i i i understand why it doesn't do what i want it to do just yet and it really comes down to like how chat gpt is built it is a it is a text complete it's a completion a text completion app is what it is well somebody's gonna have to go back to the source code and just design a role-playing like a chat gpt that's geared for role-playing that would be awesome I actually tried to do that. I tried to get access to the uh, GPT. Um, it's called GPT three, and then they have a DaVinci three point AI model that you can you can get access to by creating your own JavaScript node server and then uh, feeding it XML input. You can like what it, what it's for is like for people who run like call centers or something. Yeah. And you want to create like a call a call sheet that will help you know somebody respond to every possible question that a customer may ask or something you can like feed the ai a lot of information essentially fine-tuning its model to include all of your business stuff and i was trying to get it to do to use that to like 
maybe feed in character information and all this kind of stuff, but you're still going to hit the wall, the 4,000 token wall in like an actual, like when you're actually oh, playing. That still, that still exists there too? Unless you took all the story and like fed it through XML, like at different points to keep it in its memory or something like that. But it, it's really clunky when you get into that kind of interface because it, it really starts looking like it's more for enterprise and less for people like us farting around with it, trying to get it to role play. Yeah. So, but but the thing that you have to realize about it is ChatGPT is just a more advanced version of the thing on your phone that is predictive text. So I, I don't know if you've ever sent a text to somebody where all you did was like hit like maybe the middle button on the predictive uh, text yeah. suggestions. Yeah. You know that is exactly what ChatGPT is doing. It's looking at the last <laughs> thing it just said to figure out what the next word it wants to say is. I was there. It just happens and the for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little bit more advanced version of that. And it's able to take into account more input. But since all it's really doing is text completing, that's the reason why the text input is so limited is because it's just looking back to, you know, a certain amount of stuff to kind of keep in its like RAM of like, I can use this material to help me complete the next few things that I say. You yeah, know? I think I told you about the experiment I did to get it to write a poem. Uh huh. Like, and it could only do like AABB. Yeah, CC rhyme scheme, and because I would say, it can't hey, write, plan ahead. Yeah, write me a poem in A B A B A B, and like it could not, like it can't look that far into the future. It can't look at all into the future because yeah, it's it only it's do. only looking backwards and then coming up with the next word. And so it starts a poem like roses are red, violets are blue. Oh, it can't and, do that. Yeah, it'll well, go roses are red and you are dead. Roses yeah. are blue and, and you I are too. too or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's only looking backwards. It's not planning for the future. It can't plan for the future of what it's going to You know say. what though? You can only look Speaking backwards. of poetry, I I'm running a Delta Green game which is based around this mimetic play that's like a thought virus that kills people, the king in yellow. And there are it's not a real play, but there are a couple of examples of you know like act two scene three you know on the shores of this dead lake or whatever and then it it has like a few lines of prose i fed that uh -huh. in there and then asked it to write me more scenes and it followed that same format yeah so if yeah. you it, you might be able to like feed it some no. a b b a poems you can't nope. he tried really no, he tried. cannot yeah <laughs> i uh i fed it uh, a boy named sue because it had the a a b c c b rhyme scheme and all it did was wrote me a uh song called a girl named tom <laughs> <laughs> how many ounces it of did, and, juice and it did, did it not include? it did not <laughs> replicate the rhyme scheme really? at all yeah. That's... No, it just couldn't do it. So I feel huh. like what people are expecting out of ChatGPT is not exactly in line with what it's capable of doing. We imagine that it's like almost data from Star Trek Next Generation, you know? <laughs> no, it's not there yet. <laughs> it's not. It's, it, it is much more like it, it shares so much more DNA with your little, with that thing above the, the keyboard on your phone that's trying to predict the next word. It shares so much more in common with that than it does with something like data. And so it's just not at the place where we want it to be. However, what it's currently doing 
is a real leap forward in terms of just being able to converse with people and oh, being yeah. able to have some kind of memory. And I can, you know, it may have looked like an impossible leap to get to a place where you could have a computer replace a role player in a play by post forum, uh, you know, five years ago, it was an impossible leap. Now it looks like just taking one more step, you know, yeah. a couple so, of years or months. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Yeah, especially like when you look at, yeah, seconds. <laughs> when you look at how fast mid journey has improved over the last like five months, like the, the amount of improvement, uh, and then you applied that way of thinking to like maybe a, an open AI. Uh, it, I think that, yeah, we could be, we could be looking at the place where we, we, we do that, which, which is actually really cool. And, um, and I know we're really running out of time here. I'd love to talk about this some more, but, uh, you know, uh, my thoughts on, on entertainment being a very private and bespoke sort of a thing in the future, you know, where we, at first we think, oh, we're putting all these people out of business, uh, who are like making movies and TV shows. Cause eventually I'll tell you, AI is going to be able to make you a TV show and a movie. And it's going to, I mean, if it can make a piece of art that's, that's worthy to hang on like a, uh, an art museum wall right now, just based on like a five word prompt that I give it, I guarantee you in 10 years, it's going to be making TV shows and movies. So, um, you know, you think, Oh, well, all those people who work as directors and cameramen and, and screenplay writers and all this kind of stuff, like they're going to be out of business. Well, maybe I, I think that they'll still be making stuff like that, but you think about like their current model. And this kind of goes back with like the whole democratization thing that I was talking about with artwork and publishing, you know, being able to make a role-playing product that, you know, like I make in my garage when I have zero budget, uh, being able to make, uh, you say, well, well, nobody will want to buy your your um, AI created TV show. I mean, I mean, motion made pictures didn't put uh, the theater completely out of business. They're no, they didn't. They didn't. And and there there will always be room for like uh, stretching yourself in terms of what you want to see. Like when I was in school, I was made to re- read books that I didn't want to read. And some of those books have been influential in my life. You know, uh, I was made to watch when I was in film school, I was made to watch films that I didn't want to see. And yet, uh, you know, you learn some things through, through seeing that. And so there will always be, there will always be like a market for the human created, the new, you know, the edgy or whatever, but where, where you might see more democratization of entertainment is in like, here's what, here's what I want. Okay. I love Star Trek. I don't like the non-Christian roots, the, the atheistic roots of Star Trek. I, I don't really like, like, I suspend my disbelief in order to watch the show. You know, the fact that there's all these aliens out there and they all evolved on their own planets. And, and now that's why we're able to go visit them and all this kind of stuff. And, and everybody on earth gave up, gave up uh, Christian thought like a century ago and all like, I don't really like that aspect of the show. Um, but at the same time, I like Star Trek enough that I'll watch a show even because of it. And then as the Star Trek, you know, shows kind of get newer or whatever, they start putting in even more current event type stuff and more, you know, where it's like, I don't really want to deal with that, but I like Star Trek enough that I still sort of watch it. But what if I could just tell an AI, I want a show like Star Trek, but it, it maintains like the complete doctrinal foundation and roots of, of Christian thought. Uh, there are no, there is no such thing as evolution. The only people who are out there in the stars are people that we put there, uh, you know, from like former generations or something of, of people that we put there. And maybe they've, maybe they have uh, adapted to their different worlds in different ways so that they do actually look a little different than humans. But I want it to maintain the doctrinal roots of Christian thought. 
and I don't want any like modern, uh, you, you know, I don't want to get into all of this, like, you know, current political correctness kind of stuff. I just want it to be a good adventure story, exploring the universe, uh, really cool plots, a lot of twisty stuff, maybe some neat, dark stuff going on in the background, you know, interesting characters. And the AI is just like, here's a show just for you. And it's good. And I like it. And maybe I say to my friend, hey, I've created this really cool like Star Trek alternative show. If you, if you really want to see it, I'll share it with you. And they're like, nah, I'm not really into that. I'm making my own thing over here about, you know, uh, mushroom people or whatever <laughs> and uh, juice weasels. And, and I don't I don't really care to <laughs> yeah, see your Star Trek thing. Mushrooms. Well, then I just see I keep it for me. I'm not trying to sell it. I'm not trying to sell my creation because anybody can go create their own thing. You just tell the AI to make the thing that you want to entertain you and it entertains you. And it really reminds me of what we used to be like way back in the day when you had a king who had a jester and the jester was just to entertain that king. And the jester better entertain that king the way the king wants to be entertained or he'll get rid of that jester and get another jester, right? Well, what's happened in our current world is we have de demoted the king down to being just like nobody. And we have, we have uh, exalted the jester to where he's like the celebrity in the culture. And we care what these people who are just fools who are meant to entertain us, we care what they think about political things and all this kind of stuff. We've really like flipped the whole thing, right? And so now we're supposed to care that our jesters might find themselves out of work because a new AI jester comes along that actually treats us like a king and makes exactly what we want. Well, it's kind of like uh, the old, um, like, sitting around the campfire just coming up with a story on the fly similar to that like you know it's just it's a story just for who's sitting around the campfire yeah, it's one and done i made it yeah. up just now i'm not going to write it down and try to sell it to somebody we, we're just entertaining each other with stories right now and what if what if entertainment gets back to that where it's not big business in fact entertainment's like one of the biggest businesses you oh, know yeah. what if it just gets back to i'm entertained by the things that i i want to be entertained by I have the AI write a book for me that actually satisfies me and entertains me because I wanted to read a cool like pulp fiction story about, you know, like a Indiana Jones type character just going and raiding an old tomb. And, you know, like, and I, it can just, it can make it for me for free and I'm entertained. It doesn't have to be sold as a commercial product in order to have meaning is what I'm saying. What the meaning yeah. is my entertainment not the the dollar value that's a, that's assigned to a certain piece of fiction. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we become the masters again, not the people making the entertainment. Right now they're the masters. They're like they're essentially trying to shape the culture exactly the way they want it to be by putting their characters and their storylines and whatever in such a way to kind of tell that story and shape that narrative. Well, if I don't like the narrative they're they're trying to shape and I want it to be something different, I go to my servant my AI servant, I tell it to entertain me and it does a dang good job entertaining me. I think that that's actually not a, that's not a negative direction for the world. That can actually be a really positive direction for the world. I mean, it can also get very narcissistic. You can definitely see some problems with people, you know, like getting so focused on their own entertainment. Like Jim was saying the other day, like it, it's like the holodeck. You know, like what we're talking about is eventually getting to the place where it's like you have a holodeck and you just walk into the holodeck and you tell the computer, you know, I want this. I want to live this story. And it just creates a story for you. And you can get so dis, dis um, like separate, separated from reality 
in your mind and swallowed up by your own entertainment. I, I do think that currently we're all entertaining ourselves to death, but, uh, but I think that with something like that, it has the potential to be even more addictive. Uh, so there, there definitely are some, there are some the like tricks. Yeah. Yeah. There are some <laughs> drawbacks to this whole thing. Or I always think, you know, even more so than the matrix. I think about the movie Megan, which if you haven't seen Megan yet, that movie is absolutely phenomenal. But uh, no spoilers. Me- now I'll try not to spoil it. But the, this the, one's current. Yeah, it's current. The little <laughs> the little girl who gets uh you know like her parents are, are killed. Like she goes to live with her aunt who is like a, a designer of toys, AI type toys or whatever. And the aunt gives her this like prototype uh like like doll little girl doll that can adapt and and acts like a real girl. And, uh, and the, the cool thing about the movie, which this doesn't involve the plot or anything. It's just one of the cool things about the movie psychologically is that, that, that little AI doll has learned so well what that girl likes and wants to hear that it always says the perfect thing for her. It comforts her when she's sad. It entertains her when she's bored and the attachment that the little girl gets to the doll is like insane like if you take that doll away she is gonna flip the heck out because it it has become everything that is precious to her and i see that being the potential danger for ai you know as we go if especially if it learns to entertain us so perfectly that we are like never without the most perfect thing that we want uh, the addiction to AI is going to be more powerful than like drug addiction, alcohol addiction. I mean, I see that as a potential problem. In fact, that would be actually kind of a cool story of somebody trying to <laughs> overcome like alcohol or uh, AI addiction. It'd be like AIA <laughs> or something like that. That'd actually be pretty cool. But uh, anyway, yeah. So I see that out there as like a potential future, but I also see, you know, just lots of like, it's so hard to find a group to play like your favorite weird niche role-playing game. Imagine if an AI could fill like two of those four slots, you know, or if you're just really introverted, the AI could fill all the slots, including the, the storyteller or the, the game master or the dungeon master, you know, and you could play a game where you have an AI dungeon master or an AI, let's put it in exalted terms. You have an AI storyteller like three other AI players and you, and you finally get to play exalted. Like you never got to play it before, but now you get to play it because you didn't have any friends that wanted to play it, but now you got all these friends that will play it. You know, they're artificial friends and that's kind of sad in a way, but, but you get what you want. You know, I, I don't know. It's very positive and it has a lot of like potential negative as well. But anything else you guys want to say about AI and the future of tabletop role-playing before we sign off today? I think we've gone long enough. I just want to thank Jim <laughs> for his nightmare about juiced weasels. <laughs> it was amazing, dude. That's so good. <laughs> it makes me want to go put like rid- ridiculous things into that just to see what it comes up with. But, yeah. Well, all right then. Well, that was fun. Uh, you know, what do you think about all this stuff? Do you have a comment that for us? Yeah, maybe it's five months until we do the next show. Who knows? But uh, if you have a comment about this that you'd like us to include at some point in the, the, the distant future, you know, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible show host because right now at the very end of our show, I am remembering that we did have a person on our Discord who who gave us a lot of uh, interesting feedback uh, for the next show. And I completely and utterly 
ignored it. And I am so sorry. I haven't even thought about it as we were planning this show until this exact moment. And so, uh, Adon, my apologies. We will get to your stuff hopefully one of these days but if you have a, have a comment about ai you want to talk about some of that stuff or maybe you maybe you just like how dare you say those kinds of things about onyx path and and uh and their their religious persecution i got something to say about that well then send us a send us a note uh send us an email the, the email still works the deliberative podcast at gmail.com i still get those emails you can send us a send us something in a in a text email or you can record your voice and we'll try to get it on the show i do think that the phone numbers that we used to have have been shut down from inactivity over the last few months but uh, so anyway just send us an email and we'll take a look at that but uh, i think that's gonna just about do it for this episode thank you guys for joining me for this uh discussion it's been fun and thank you listener for listening to the deliberative podcast now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best goodbye everybody bye see ya